All right, folks. Put down your baggage and make yourselves comfortable. It's a creepy-looking place. Sure dark. Suppose anybody lives in there? In that hated house? But don't wander far. There are still a few details you might be interested in. Not me. You're going in and I ain't going in that mausoleum. Very little happens on this island that I do not know about. They say that evil spirits left here. Just wait till you see the zombies. Zombies? But every demonstration that I've made so far clearly shows that the wave impulse of woman, the so-called weaker sex, is much stronger and is much more regular than man's. Money can get me a new face. Scan away the evil spirits. Evil spirits? Good gracious of me. Well, it is evil spirits around here. No clues, no fingerprints, no motive, nothing. Surely if a man was choked to death, there would be imprints on his throat. We may be able to record and read the thoughts of every human brain without a word being spoken. What's happened to him? The wolf bit him. You want a face, a new face. Do I have to go with him alone? What's the matter with his face? Lay off. Can't tell you anything tonight. Come back tomorrow. Yes, yes, y'all, it's going down right now. Episode 238 of the Triple Shots of News and More podcast is coming at you live and direct with the homie JP, also known as the Mexicans. And back in the house, we have Tyler Tuxedo. And of course, I'd be your host, the Toxic Offender, Moods. Yeah. What's going on, homies? Yeah. Yo. We are here to do a top 10 list of a year that didn't have very many movies to watch. No, no, I, I would I would assume, well, I wouldn't assume this is going to be the least amount of movies that we ever prep for, because I mean, I'm sure there might be years with less. I have oh, no, no idea. This is actually like, this is actually one of the year, there's like a handful where there's not even more than five movies. We would really have to dig into some like noir and like borderline stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I'm for those years. I, I remember one time I was kind of going through um just personally, it wasn't for the podcast, but I was kind of looking up, you know, the years of of horror and stuff and like from 1930 all the way to like, you know, in the sixties and stuff. And I think 1950 didn't even have one horror film listed. I mean, I'm sure that there, you could probably find some things that are relative, like in the thriller aspect, and you know, obviously film the wars were huge. Um but I remember not even coming across like just doing the INDB search and putting in horror and 1950 didn't even have one genre film come up. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck? It's, 1950 it's... has one. Yeah. I'm looking at I'm looking at it now. The highest, the most popular movie has 324 people that have right. watched. So when man I... without a face. Man without a face. Okay. So oh really? The man without a face, 1950. So that is a remake of the 41 film, I'm assuming. It looks it looks Spanish because the the name the original title is El Hombres and Rostro. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. So when I did my search, that film didn't even come up because I just did strictly horror and there was not one film. And I I kept redoing the search going, this thing isn't working. My INDB's broken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was really bizarre, it, but but yeah, yeah, like oddly enough, like 1941. Um, well, just speaking on that, like I ended up watching, I believe, 17 movies. Yeah, uh, I hit 
also 17. Yeah. Okay. So I watched 17 movies. Two of them are shorts, which I wasn't going to consider as top 10 material, which was the tell tale hearts that Alan Poe short is about 20 minutes. And then there was another one, which was really hard to watch. It was called third dimensional murder. It was actually in blue and red 3d. And I had to grab my 3d glasses from my film room to watch this. And it, it was like about seventy. it was about seven, eight minutes long and I, it was enjoyable, but I, it took, it took about an hour for my eyes to readjust after, after like seven minutes, I actually thought I'd fucked up my eyesight. I'm not going <laughs> to lie, man. It was really hard, but it was, it was enjoyable. I guess it was like, it was like in a series of shorts that they had done in 3d that they used to play, I think before or in between like double features and stuff like that at the cinema at this time. Cause you know, triple or 3d oh, was, like, okay. it was a, like a really big kind of gimmicky thing that they used to do. And used to keep people in their seats and shit like that. So yeah, I think there was like a bunch of serious or serious. And this one just happened to be on there. So yeah, I, I thought I'd check it out, but uh, it's nothing really that special. It's actually kind of hard to see. Cause you know, like a lot of these 41, films that don't have like a great blu-ray release or great retransfer or like re-up transfer and stuff they're they're a little bit muddy to watch and stuff imagine watching a blue and red uh um <laughs> 41 oh my uh, god yeah it, it was a little bit tedious but i don't actually recommend it we'll just put it that way so but yeah 17 you watch 17 how many did you watch tyler i watched 16 uh okay. two of them were horror adjacent and one was just like unjustifiable so that one I would have just thrown out, but it was the second worst movie I watched anyway. Right. Yeah. I, I watched a, maybe two that I wouldn't consider horror. Um, so, you know, you know, because I, I tried to dip into, uh, there was a few that I saw listed at on some places as like thriller and stuff. Like there are a lot of thrillers yeah. from this era yeah, that, which would help us in case we get a year where there's literally like one or two horror films. We pretty much have to delve into thrillers, yeah. dark noirs, there, stuff like that. There was one more I wanted to watch that was adjacent, but like it sounded way more just like a military, like drama thriller type thing. That mm -hmm. like, like there's not even like I don't even like I don't know where I'd even argue like that you're taking horror elements from. But it was like from a director that's like real notable that's done horror stuff. So right, I was right. gonna try to consider it, but there's a if if we got another year like this ever i think what i would do is start by checking out some stuff that might be like adjacent first because mm -hmm. i kind of waited till the end and then i felt like i was wasting my time um because i was like none of these like these two didn't seem horror at all but if yeah. i started that way i would probably spend more time doing it um yeah. and then instead of like trying to do it at the very end yeah, yeah 40, 41's a, is an interesting year because it's kind of like pre-film noir, I guess. So you're not even really getting those type of films. It's really early. So um, so it, it was slim pickings, man. It was really, really slim pickings for the uh, the titles this year. So, um, yeah, I mean, arguably, there yeah. is there's a lot of films even in the, you know, that were listed as, you know, most of them are listed as, listed as comedy horrors, right? And I would actually put that element first as comedy before horror. And I would suggest like probably half the movies are definitely filling in that, uh, that category to the fullest. So it's kind of interesting to note that we're already, you know, I mean, really horror films took off in the thirties, right. With the yeah. universal monsters, but it's interesting that not even 10 years or, you know, about 10 years later, we're starting to see like satirical versions of horror films well you know to be honest man uh, i have this weird like not this weird theory but i have this theory about 1941 and it's like 
1941, the U.S. officially was not in World War II when these movies were being made. And that's a common theme that you notice in a lot of the films and dialogue-wise and stuff. They talk about being drafted in films. And, and then they they do mention World War II that's going on across the seas and stuff like that. And, and the U.S. officially was not in the war pretty much when all these movies were finished production because we know that Pearl Harbor got bombed in, what, December 7, 1941. And then, of course, that day they declared that they're going to enter the war. So... All these movies were officially made before the bombing of Pearl Harbor, Harbor and the official entry of the U.S. into World War mm. II. So, so my theory is, you know, 39 and 40, 1939 World War II starts. The world's, you know, pretty fucking, you know, up and sh- it's sad. It's sad. You know, shit's going down. 39, 40, and then 41. I mean, it's, to me, it seems like the Americans were trying to kind of make light of it, make things a little bit more happy instead of having straight horror films will make these things a little bit more comedic. I mean, enter Abbott Costello making films and stuff like that in 41, like, you know, jumping on this kind of kind of in this bandwagon and stuff like that. But I feel like that's kind of the reason, you know, that there was more comedy than actual horror. I mean, you look at the black cat, for instance, like you look at the 31 version of the black cat and it's brutal. Like it's a very diabolical, horrific horror film. Um, even for its time, even when you watch it today, you're like, fuck, I can't believe that shit was made in 1931. Like it's a really dark version of Poe's story. Right. And then we have the, the remake, technically the readaptation, whatever you want to do, or not a readaptation, but an adaptation of the black cat story that is very comedic. And it's totally done as like a Agatha Christie type style, um, kind of whodunit, um, you know, comedic elements to the Poe story, which kind of leads into my theory of like this is what they were doing they were purposely making comedy to kind of relieve the tension and you know the air of what was happening in the world and stuff like that but then you know i would assume by 1942 when the americans officially were into the world into the war i mean i haven't looked at the list of films of 42 but i'm I'm sure there's probably as maybe not as many or two i mean maybe it's a little bit more comedic too i don't know i don't know but i just feel like it has something to do with that considering the there it gets brought up so much did you guys notice that about like, you know, people talking about being drafted in, in 1941 and, and shit like that? Because then that's, that's like a giant plot point. Like, yeah, a lot of movies from this era. Yeah. Yeah. Because they use that. Like I said, you know, all these movies were done production pre like December 7th of 1941. And that's when obviously some shit went down with Pearl Harbor and stuff. Right. So it is interesting. It is a really interesting thing to note and stuff. But I just that's what I feel, because when I watch this here, I'm like, fuck, man, there is legitimate films here that don't really have a lot of comedic elements, but then most of the films are more comedy than horror. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's just like, and like, and I'm really, I bring it back to the black cat thing. 10 years earlier, we had probably one of the most, you know, diabolical versions of the story. And then 10 years later, we have the, probably the most comedic one. And we all know the black cat has been done so many times. And this is definitely the goofiest one for sure that I've ever seen. Um, and in I, fact, I, and actually going back to my theory a little bit too, you take Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, which again, 10 years prior, um, you know, you had the 31 version, which is a lot different. It's, um, you know, there's a lot of things changed in the newer version or in the 41 version. Like, you know, the woman wasn't a prostitute. She was like a barmaid in this one. And, you know, the elements of, of, of Dr. Of, of Jack or of Mr. Hyde, he's not as beastly. He's not as grisly. He's not as horrific in this version than he was in the 31. The 31 is a lot more whorish. This one focuses more on relationships and the aspect of psychology and and things like that. Very, very fucking drawn out. But again, going back to 31 with the black cat and Jekyll and Hyde, they're completely 
more made to be horrific and these ones are completely on the more sensitive side of things if you get my drift right you think part of it too is maybe they were trying to make it more appealing to like families softening it down a little sure why not yeah i think that i think it's interesting to start like i'm kind of glad we got a early 40s film uh gear because i feel like you that's where you could really see like the start of the decade you know what i mean instead of getting like 1945 like where we're just Mm -hmm. thrust in the middle of it Mm -hmm. um because i think that you're definitely starting to see some changes from the 30s uh going forward we're almost sort of starting to get into the atomic age you know what i mean between the the 40s and the 50s where you're getting a lot of like uh, a lot which was kicked off with frankenstein in the 30s but uh we're seeing a, we're starting to see like scientists a lot more you yeah. know what i mean and and yeah. that that continues on into the 50s and then you get really into yeah. like the sci-fi horror aspect it's the scientific boom in the 30s like they were finding out so much in those time periods that they really wanted to kind of exploit what they were where the knowledge was right and it was interesting because why like if you're figuring out the, and some of the stuff that they put in these films like scientific wise probably wasn't achievable in those days but it was still very interesting to showcase because it was so new to people because you got to think back in the 30s late 30s and 40s and stuff like you know if you weren't listening to the radio and like you had no idea what was going on so if you saw it on a screen you're like oh shit, that's really fucking cool it was interesting right it was different so it, it you know yeah, i'm sure sense. they were like man that's really fucking cool yeah the scientific <laughs> element of things was really cool because that's probably where a lot of people were learning that shit for the first time even though some of it probably wasn't plausible which you know we all know it wasn't like even in the 50s in the atomic age like they're doing stuff with computers in the 50s that they weren't doing in the early 70s you know what i mean like so you got to yeah. kind of um extend yourself you extend your beliefs there a little bit but at the same time it was just a very interesting element I, i've always loved mad scientist stories and stuff and yeah that's that's one of the prevalent things here and you know there's there's like three or four super common themes in this year yeah the mad scientist thing and you know like the tragic stories everything here is like either a comedy horror or just a straight tragic story it's like a shakespearean tragic story right and and having ghosts in the title (laughs) you know they they do explore zombies here and stuff but yeah you know one thing about 40s like from this year i noticed that's really funny is like every movie because there are a lot of like whodunits kind of mystery elements and stuff there's so much red hearings in these movies it's hilarious like they Mm -hmm. just fill the very short running time of these movies which is generally 60 to 70 minutes on an average full of red hearings that's all they do that's how they wrote these movies which is they're just misleading you over here and then bam then they explain everything in the last two minutes of the movie (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's like such a funny construction to the movie because they're so quick right uh makes me laugh yeah what kind of observation i had about this too was um all these movies are pretty much supernatural movies so i think they were still really defined in genre conventions and like how they start using comedy around a lot of these uh might be kind of the first evidence of like really genre bending and I think they really didn't explore the idea of like this person is a monster and this thing can actually happen to me. Yeah. And I think maybe with like the noirs that were kind of brewing around this time, maybe that's how like the birth of those movies really start to happen. Cause like if you think about movies like just for instance, like Peeping Tom, and you know, mm-hmm. we're 20 years away from that, that's not that far off than like, ju- like blending horror with like a noir movie. Right right yeah Yeah. it's definitely the the infancy of it for sure for sure but like i just you know i i just always find it interesting the storytelling in these movies it's just it's so 
it's so like different back. I, I don't know if it had a lot to do with the budgets were a lot smaller for these films, hence why they're so much smaller, hence why the narratives and, and the stories are so short and condensed and stuff. But yeah, they, they, uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it probably has a lot of lot to do with budget constraints. You would think, yeah. right? Because there was movies made back in the day that were full length features and stuff like that. I, I think that's so. When you take the smaller budget, it, you have to tell the story a lot differently. And I don't know. I think I think that just you you can definitely tell that a lot of these movies that came out in in forty one, um, a lot of them were like B movies of the all, time. All, pretty much everything that wasn't a, you know, like I think most of the Universal stuff probably had decent runs in the in the cinemas and stuff but all everything else probably just played second build and stuff like that for sure for sure um i don't really know that for a fact but i'm assuming like the universal stuff usually push their things even though they were crazy low budget like i mean you look at uh, horror island right <laughs> right like it just it seems like it was made for about seven dollars it's hilarious um it really does actually um i don't know who produced the devil commands with boris karloff um, I'm not sure who that did that one, but was that it one seems KO. That one Columbia. seems a, oh, Columbia pictures. That one seems a little bit bigger. Like they've got a couple different locations, and there's a lot of scientific shit going on in that one stuff. But yeah, most of these, I think you're right about uh, budgeting having a bit faster. Not only because they're short, so obviously they just had less film to work with. Yeah, but it yeah. looks like a lot of these movies are shot on sound stages. Oh, for sure, for oh, sure. Yeah, like, definitely. Like, like that the was wall, very Universal used to shoot pretty much none of their stuff on locations. It was all studio stuff, like you know, fucking Mad Made Monster and the Black Cat. Like all these movies were sh- like the, the Monster and the Girl, the Wolfman. Like the Wolfman. It's funny because you know it could have been shot on the same set as fucking Man Made Monster, but it just looks. So much yeah, better. I was actually thinking that. <laughs> like, yeah, a lot it, of the shots of like them running around through the fog and shit. A lot of but, them look the same. They do the thing about the Wolfman that's interesting too, comparatively to a lot of these movies, is that they really did focus on the actual look of the film. I don't know if it's the transfer too, but the way they do the atmosphere and the smoke, and and obviously it's on a soundstage and stuff like that. But they did such a good job with how they did the the atmosphere, like it's floating in front and then like where the actors are and stuff, there's nothing there. And then there's stuff behind them. I think they did a really good job with layering how they did yeah. the the smoke machines and stuff. And the actual look of that film looks really cool. It's such a elevated look and feel to all these type of movies from this year. They probably had an extra hundred or 200 in the budget yeah. or something. I don't know, yeah. but, but, um, but yeah, like 1941, of course was, you know, in that age of films, you know, universal. And there was a lot of big kind, big time stars, um, I think one of the most underutilized things of the year was Boris Karloff. He only really appeared in one film in 1941, which really kind of shocked me. You know, go, the, going through these films, I was like, really? Karloff's only in one film? Because Lon Chaney Jr. was in a couple films. Yeah. Peter Laurie was in an early one. Um, Bela Lugosi's the man of the year. Yeah, he was in four films, man. Yeah, like, was four of them in it. He was in four films. Abbott Costello did a fucking a genre film that year. You know, like a lot of big, big names. In fact, you know, pretty much every movie in my top 10 list has like a pretty, like a very, very notable actor and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, like the lack of Boris Karloff was kind of interesting to me because you know, him and Bella Gosi and shit, and they did so many movies together and shit. It was just kind of surprising. It was only one film, but yeah, but yeah, like Peter Laurie was a very, very young Peter Laurie here, but he did a lot of film noirs. This is kind of like, I feel like this was kind of the start of that. And he did a lot of film noirs. And of course he worked with, uh, with Vincent Price a lot later on and stuff, but I love Peter Laurie. He's he was a great actor. Died way too young, but yeah. but uh, what do you guys overall like? You guys have any other thoughts on um? On 41? So I actually I, like 
I don't think the year is like amazing or anything, but mm-hmm. I had fun with it. And I'm, I'm glad that we finally got to do one of these like r- old retro mm-hmm. years yeah. because it really, my, my watch history, I've seen pretty much all the universal monster movies, but other stuff along those eras were or like lost to me. Like I haven't seen so much stuff that came out between, you know, the, 60s all the way back to the 30s i've seen like the big silent movies and stuff of the 20s and uh i've seen a handful of horror films from the 30s and 40s and probably more so the 50s um but so this was a good experience for me just to sort of get a beat on like what was going on around the time right and which is one of the reasons that i love doing these top 10 lists in general is yeah. just because we sort of get the like for historical purposes and you know just learning about the genre it's very beneficial so uh, mm-hmm. i had fun with it although i did, i mean it, it felt very repetitive <laughs> yeah you you know i agree though man it, it it is like it's like a history lesson in itself yeah. because like not only are you watching films that are almost you know like 80 years old kind of thing but you know, it got me into re-upping my knowledge on World War II and stuff and like just kind of looking into why the themes the way they were and stuff. And it, it really kind of gets your brain going and it, it's a good history lesson. It really is. And to be honest, man, and I'm not going to front, like almost every film here was a first time watch. Like I'd seen a couple of the Universal f- films before, like Mad Main Monster and The Black Cat and Whore Island. Mon- I'd watched those, you know, on the packs and stuff before that we got. Wolf Actually, Man, of all of these were first time watch besides one well the thing is and 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 i and i mean like i reviewed the invincible ghost back in october but like the universal packs like those were all first time watches for me um when the packs came out so it's only been a few years since i've seen those films but everything else from this year besides the wolfman was a first time watch for me i'd seen the wolf time wolfman many many times growing up many many times like i grew up watching the original i even universal films like all the original universal monster films i've seen so many times i can't even count and in fact i've the Frankenstein sequels I've seen a lot too. The, those are the most explored stuff for me. But you know, films like Invisible Ghost I'd never seen before. You know, um, mm. Hold That Ghost, Abbott Costello. I've seen a lot of Abbott Costello films growing up. I'd never seen Hold That Ghost before, um, and so on and so on. And I hadn't seen so. You know, it was an interesting year for myself having so many first time watches. It's not like we're doing a brand new year where everything is first time watch. When we're doing retro years like 1980, you know, I'm 100 films deep, and I've I haven't rewatched. I haven't seen a film. For the first time yet <laughs> right so i like i've seen everything in those years but um yeah it's fun it's fun it's i i like to explore and you know the it's just but you're right though the the themes are very limited it is very repetitive but you know, with that said the films are so short that they go by so quick you don't even feel yeah. like you're really spending a whole lot of time even if you are wasting your time with a couple misses and stuff it's not really the worst time killer in the world so you know it is what it is Yep. Yeah. Um, I thought it was pretty educational for the most part. There was a good handful of films that I thought were pretty good. Like the breakdown I had is at least of the 16 I watched, at least nine I thought were good. Two I thought were like in the middle and five I thought were, were good. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like my top six are like really solid, you know, kind of thing um, for the most part. I mean, at least top five, at least top five. Um, I'd even then, like call maybe like my top seven pretty solid. I don't know how yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, 
Right. I mean, I guess we'll get more into it when we talk about the films. I'm actually kind of curious to see the order of films that appear and, and maybe some that don't even appear on someone's top 10 list. I yeah, don't know. I, I'm mostly curious to see if there's any unique to one person's list or, right. or, you know, if there's any like vast differences, like my number two is your number 10 or something. <laughs> yeah. I, I honestly, yeah. and I was joking about that on the live stream the other night too, about how your number 10 is always my number one. And I was thinking to myself going, there's no fucking way that's going to happen on this 41 <laughs> show. There's just no fucking way. Like if there's one year I would predict against that, it's, it would be 1941 for sure. Yeah. So um, but that is a really weird common thing, like how your number 10 is always my number one. And I was actually thinking too, like the last, the 2022 top 10 show, me and Dave having the, the the same top three films. I don't think that's ever happened on any top 10 list we've ever done that someone's had the top three films in the same order. Mm. I literally don't think that's happened on any list before. I mean, the, the number one being the same for people, but the same top three. No, I don't think that's ever happened. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'd have to look, but I'm pretty sure that's just very uncommon. I mean, it seems like most of them are very different now. Oh, you mean in the same order too? Yeah, the same order, like number one, two, and three. No, I don't think that's ever happened. I know, and we've done a fucking ton of top ten lists from whether it be the the modern years from thirteen to twenty two, and then all of our back years. I don't think it's ever happened. Like I, I was thinking about that after. I don't know if we said that on the show, but like I was thinking about that going, fuck, that's just a really strange thing. Considering how much me and Dave have, we, we have similar tastes generally, but like when it comes to modern films, he likes a lot different films than I do. So that was interesting. But I mean, there's a pretty good chance that our number ones might match up on this one. <laughs> but, <laughs> I don't know. It might be close, but who knows? But who knows? I, I am curious. I wish there this were is, actually- this is like our 23rd or something. 22nd or 23rd top 10 like oh, retro I, one oh yeah yeah with the year no no, no in general okay, just yeah, yeah that makes sense oh okay yeah something like that really yeah. i thought we've done more because we've done what 13 to 22 and then we've done a lot of oh yeah i guess a couple in the 70s 68 couple we in the did 70s, couple three in the, in the 70s uh three in the 80s so far this will be our fourth one three in the 90s and then two in the 2000s and then from 13 up so we haven't done 10 11 and 12 okay yeah and one in 68 so yeah that's quite a few yeah and now 41 it's like the very oddball one out (laughs) yeah yeah um yeah so that's that's a lot of top 10 lists and not nothing lining up like that which doesn't really surprise me i mean you would expect it more maybe like on a more retro year than a than a modern year i don't know i would just i would just see it like that but who knows um I yeah I don't know what else to say about 41 that that I didn't say already (laughs) no I think I think we covered it um definitely a fun experience I feel like these shows will let some people know about some some titles maybe and um you know I'm looking forward to doing another one of these down the road you know something right something super retro (laughs) yeah um right right i mean it was cool it was cool so um yeah top 10 in 1941 i guess we might as well get into the list i don't have anything else do you have anything else for intro wise you have anything else Uh, i'm good okay nope all right on that note i guess we'll we'll be back here in a minute with uh our retro 1941 top 10 list yeah 
42 shots. And now, our feature presentation. All right, so getting into the top 10 of 1941 here on episode 238. And before we start, we actually have to decide the order. I have the names and the randomizer ready to go here. I'll hit randomize, do that. And okay, so I'm first, then Tyler, then JP. Oh, wow. That's never happened before. Because the randomizer loves me. It never makes me go first. So yeah, I'm first. That sucks. (laughs) <laughs> all right that's good for me <laughs> i hate going first i hate going first um, this is the best year to go last because that means that i don't have to fucking uh i can listen to what you guys say about the movies first and then i, I mean, don't have to add much. A, little, a little refresher so i mean really i mean it's like you got what a 33 percent, 33.3 repeating percent chance of being in one of those three spots right so mm-hmm. it was pretty high chance i was going to go end up going first but i did all right I digress. Um, oh, I haven't said that in a while. Put a loony in the in the in the jar. What, what was it before when we? What 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 did we used to say? What was the um, saying before? The uh, something in the jar. What the oh, that was, was jarring. It? That was jarring. Jarring, jarring used jar. to be a thing we said all the time, man. Jarring. People always say that people always say that I say I digress a lot because we now, it, now people say we say literally a lot. So well, we do we do say literally a lot, but like it literally matters when we and I actually responded to something. Did you see my comment the other day? He's <laughs> like, man, you guys, if if you guys took a shot, if the listeners took a shot for every time JP Mood said literally, you guys would be dead, whatever. And I was and I just I made a joke and I said literally like nine times in my response. It's kind of funny. <laughs> But yeah, no, we, we get on those tangents, man. We say like literally and um, used to be jarring a lot because we used you, to watch You know how many fucking hours we've had our voices recorded? You try not to say the same word. Right, right. But jarring like <laughs> was a thing though, like because, you know, we watch these films. It's like, oh, fuck, that's left field shit, man. But I like the word jarring. It's fun. But um, yeah, maybe it'd be literally now. Yeah, throw throw a loony in there. I don't know why I'd be throwing loonies. You guys don't have fucking loonies. Nobody should have loonies. It's the stupid I don't know name. What a loony is. It's a fucking Canadian dollar. It's stupid because it's a coin. Is we it a coin? Do- yeah. yeah, it's like a dollar. Yeah, and then it's yeah. Two, so our $2, so we got right? we got rid of our dollar bills in 1986, I think, and they came up with a loony, which is cheaper to produce than the than paper money. And then they got rid of the two dollar bills, and we got a toonie. And now they're getting rid of our five dollar bills, and I don't know. They're going to call gonna them foonies. foonies. They're going to be foonies. <laughs> they're gonna be be shekels at some point this is the reason why no canadians ever carry cash because it's all coins so (laughs) you just be jingling and jangling down yeah like who wants to be walking around with like a pocket full of change man that's ridiculous all right so getting into the top 10 and at number 10 is a film from 1941 that's a bad brandon joke um and it is going to be spooks run wild um this is like the goofiest film it's such a goofy film and I knew a little bit about the East side kids, but yeah. I've never seen a movie with the actual East side kids in it before. And I don't know if I'm going to really check out too many more because I heard that they're very much like this, the very highly physical over the top comedic films and stuff like that. But this one was, you know, it was, it was kind of standard and I guess kind of fun and stuff. I still think Bella goes, who's a little bit underused. Like he kind of is in most of his films this year, except for maybe one. Um, but yeah, the East side kids, they're basically kind of like a huge collection of like comedic actors and stuff like that. And they did like this huge run of films from like the late thirties into like the mid forties kind of thing. And a couple of them went on, there was like a couple different groups of kids back then. I I, actually, funny enough, 
I just listened to Tarantino's new book and he actually talks, I'm almost certain he was talking about the East side kids and the other group and stuff in the book for a little chapter. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they were, they were pretty prevalent. Um, they did like a lot. And that, that was very common of the time to do like almost like serials of films yeah. like, yeah. Oh, this time they're playing baseball and Oh, they got, they're in a haunted house. And well, it was like, know, Costello, time, right. The comedic duo, like comedic yeah. duo, they did like tons and tons of different films, like as a comedic, but they're duos of the time. There was lots of different duos and shit like Lauren and Hardy and shit like that. And, but there was lots, but the, the East side boys is like this huge collection. And there was tons of them too. Like there was, like you said, there was different, um, there was different eras of them, I would say, but it, even though it was in a short period of time, but, uh, the, the thing that's kind of notable here too, the guy that plays skinny in the film, the dude that gets shot in this film. So the, the story of the film is basically, they're like a bunch of like, I guess what you call like delinquents or whatever they end up, they're going up to this place. And anyways, they sneak out one night from the, the place that they're staying at. And, uh, um, no, actually no peewee, I guess is shot. It says Pee Wee gets shot. But anyways, he gets shot and they end up having to take refuge in this house. And it's, you know, turns out it could be haunted and stuff like that. It's got Belagosi and stuff. And and then crazy, you know, a bunch of crazy stuff happens and stuff. And it's it's like this. This is a type of movie that it's like it's so more comedy than it is horror mm -hmm. um, that, you know, it, it almost question. It almost makes you question if it's even actually it's dubbed on here is horror comedy. But I really disagree with that, actually, because it's, it's just like straight comedic <laughs> elements to it and stuff. Um, again, again, very, it almost makes your mind run because there's these guys that are supposed to be playing almost like teenagers are all like in their late twenties, early thirties. So this actually started before the nineties. Remember like in the nineties with all these TV shows like 90210 and Dawson's Creek and shit, everyone was like 30 years old playing teenagers. I think it started yeah. with the East side kids, man, to be honest, <laughs> they were all older. Um, but one of the guys in the, in this, um, uh, in this collective, Donald Hayes, um, he, who played skinny in the film, um, he uh this was actually his last film and he had done like 30 or 40 of these east side kids films he actually enlisted um in the war um of course right because you know just after this film came out you know the americans ended the war and stuff and he got killed in battle in 1943 so that's kind of sad and the guy did like like i said like 30 40 films so it's kind of a notable thing for about this movie but um but all in all you know it's it's kind of fun it's kind of like it's almost anxiety inducing, man. There's just so many people running around in here, just nothing but red hearings and stuff. And <laughs> it's very comedic. And like I said, you know, Bella Gossi, I think in a couple of these films this year are kind of underutilized. You think he's underutilized in this film? <laughs> I will say that like how this story unfolds, like what they do with Bela, I thought that it was kind of like cool because it's not typically what you get. No, no, it is a little bit different um, in narrative for sure and stuff like that. But uh you know I, I i was entertained by this film overall like there's a lot of characters and like it's not like you could ever really keep track of all the characters <laughs> you know there's just so many of them yeah. and stuff but yeah like one's just like sleepwalking around yeah uh, because, <laughs> like they're kind of hypnotized and there's like certain elements like i don't want to give everything away because it is such a short movie i think it only runs like an hour yeah this one's like 65 minutes super super short um you know there's not really a whole lot to say without giving everything away but you know i did recommend it i thought it was you know in the end it was kind of average and stuff like that but i still kind of enjoyed it like i said it, it just feels way more like a comedy than anything but i i definitely going to be setting a record here for starting the top 10 but i give this one five out of ten. Ooh, five out of ten Ooh, <laughs> okay yeah. so um that one in particular uh the transfer was a bit rough that i saw yeah. it on yeah I was going to say the same thing. That was the problem yeah. with some of these movies. Like this movie looked like shit. And there was like, there was parts where it was so dark and you couldn't see what was going on. Yeah. yeah. This is one of, 
Very few. So, hmm. I do have physical copies of pretty much, except for the shorts I watched. I didn't have those. What were the other ones I watched online? Uh, I watched a couple others. Yeah, but this one was probably one of the roughest transfers for sure that yeah. I watched. Yeah, definitely. I did watch another one um, that was online. It wasn't too bad. But yeah, no, this is probably like the worst transfer for sure. I think there was points actually where it was like you really couldn't see anything that was going on. <laughs> so yeah it kind of ruins the experience a little bit but it was like the only way to like i mean i know that film detective actually put this out on dvd a few years ago and did a restoration of it and stuff so i'm curious to see what that transfer is like because i don't think it was the one that was on youtube so might might elevate it to like a five and a half out of ten or something like that. yeah <laughs> yeah it honestly like some of like the transfers it, when you're talking these older films like can affect the actual like quality of the film in terms of like your enjoyment because it's just like you can't see certain things right right yeah um not like really there's not a whole lot more to say but spooks and royal i thought it was entertaining i would like i said i, I would rewatch the movie um with a better transfer and stuff like it was actually a movie that i did order i ordered the dvd like a month and i still haven't even gotten so and i only did it because it was film detective and I, they do put out a lot of good stuff like they do good mm -hmm. restorations on their work and stuff so i was curious after i watched it I'm like holy shit i wonder if the dvd is a lot better so i might actually rewatch it when i get it because it's like an hour long so it is what it is yeah but. and the with the whole um starting at a five thing that's interesting that's definitely the the lowest we've ever started at but at least it's not under a five if we mm. ever start under a five that's gonna be some funny shit <laughs> i know i was actually kind of thinking that too i'm like i wonder if we're actually gonna have that yeah. <laughs> but but yeah so five out of ten for spooks on rot again i don't want to give everything away it's uh right there is there is some different elements to this film and there's there's a lot of characters and it's it's that it's that dark old house thing it's that common theme that i don't think we even mentioned in the intro but the dark old house theme you know yeah. it's it's one of those type of movies it's it, it very prevalent in tons of these movies mm. um so you get that aspect to it and then there's some twists and turns and things like that so yeah it's it's a it's decent um i like to watch it with a better transfer for sure so all right so tyler you're number 10. all right my number 10 uh, it's a film that's kind of similar to Spooks One Riled, as it feel it kind of feels the same. It's King of the Zombies, right? <laughs> so this is another one that it's like it's more comedy than anything else. Uh, it does it's like the plot is like so forgettable. They crash they crash crash on an island like in a cemetery, and they kind of just wander around, and then there's people doing weird stuff, stuff there. It's like it's really forgettable. It blends into yeah, all scientist these stuff. Yeah, it's just standard man science, and this is some of the worst man to stuff. But there's a character, Jefferson Jeff Jackson, played by Mantan Moreland, who is fucking ridiculous. He, he is. Yeah, he's yeah, he's so the best funny. aspect of the entire film, and even he, if you look at letterbox reviews, everybody points that out. Dude, he's literally yeah. funniest. He's the funniest character the whole year. Yeah, like, he made me laugh out loud. A bunch of times in this movie i was like dude this guy's killing it right now like and the movie just feels like it's a straight comedy at that point because he's so notable in it but he's, yeah, he's just funny he's a star he's hilarious his like yeah. some of the stuff he does with his face is just so fucking goofy yeah dude i almost feel like a lot of comedic actors saw that performance and ripped him right off because i don't remember seeing any type of performance like that in in like before this you know yeah. like, that performance is very unique in itself like it's crazy 
Yeah, but this was the movie that like made the list that fell into like I don't really think it's good, but it's like probably right there in the middle. But like it's honestly like it's again it's like Wicked Short like the other movie, and yeah. it's it's kind of worth watching for the educational experience and just to see this guy like act up for an hour. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the there interesting- is some some like I did see some stuff about like uh, you know stereotypical black character written stuff. Um, so there is, there is that as well in terms of like, you know, that type of stuff that was going on back in the day. The the interesting thing about this movie though, that differentiates itself from a lot of typical thirties and forties. And well, I mean, let's face it until man, black actors didn't really start getting leading roles in films until fucking sixties. I I would say like it was, it's pretty modern, right? It's Mm -hmm. Hollywood was very, very racist. Let's face it. They did not want to give leading roles to black people because they were scared and um, they were scared of it, not selling and not, you know, all that type of stuff. Bottom line, it was just capitalist shit, racist capitalism shit. But, but at this time period, it was even worse. It was very oppressive and and pretty much every black character was always a servant. And you see this very prevalent in in a lot of the films in these, in in this year, they're, they're secondary, third carry characters, like, you know, they're servants, which is, you know, it's a very oppressive role right there. You know, they're serving white people and stuff like that, where this movie, he is, he's a servant, but he's like almost, but he's not only that he's, he's kind of like the lead in the film that totally takes over the film and totally wins over the audience and stuff. And it's crazy that like, to see that 1941, considering the oppressiveness you see in all the black characters throughout the year, this one really stands out in that. And because honestly, a lot of the black actors and stuff don't even have a lot of lines. And this movie not only has like a like a black star in it, the entire cast is like practically black. Even though the irony is that that they're being controlled and they're and they're zombies. <laughs> like I mean, it's very racist in itself. Right. You have to admit like that whole narrative is (laughs) super, super racist in itself. I was kind of going to bring up the same point you did about like everyone's a servant and everybody is like a fool that's black in these years. But the fact that there's a white mad scientist controlling these black people and turning them into like mindless zombies is really funny. Well, well, that's actually there's a a, there's a sequel to this film um, that came out in 43 called Revenge of the Zombies. Oh, really? And that one actually incorporates the nazis into it with uh them creating a race of living dead warriors for the third reich so (laughs) are they are they using black zombies i don't know i've never seen it i'm just (laughs) i just knew about it (laughs) yeah but that's something to look out for if we ever get 43 right man man hands not in it no no deal (laughs) no no deal no deal but yeah, no, there's definitely a lot of interesting kind of racial and oppressive things and a lot of things you could probably go into depth about this film, but it's also a product of its time though too, right? Because that, this was in every movie. Like it's it's really savage when you watch these movies at the time and you're like, fuck, especially knowing like the history of Hollywood and and just how Yeah, you get a lot of black characters who are either dumb or goofy, you know what I mean? And it's unfortunate, but at the same time, you you see the history of it, you know what I mean? which is important as well to to know the history of it and uh it's definitely interesting i'll say that but yeah this the king uh, th- that character is 100 the best character in the movie though oh yeah 100%. it's just i don't remember much about the movie i remember like individual things and individual scenes and all those things that i like remember well it's all just like me and tam being funny yeah. See, th- <laughs> this one has a little bit of an interesting narrative because um, it actually takes place, obviously, in reality, the World War II was happening in 1941, but this one actually takes place during World War 
too, right? It's it's about a an aircraft that goes missing, and um, these guys are basically kind of almost trying to figure out where this aircraft went, and then we find out why these things end up where they are and stuff like that. But it's like taking place, I think, somewhere down south, like where you know they're traveling where the war was kind of taking place and stuff like that so there is elements of reality and you know fictional stuff yeah. that's happening there so so it kind it of plays happens into in the caribbean actually yeah yeah in the caribbean and like yeah. I said which before, is like where the americans do is right prevalent yeah. you know right. what i mean and, yeah and of course like the americans at this time because they're, they're americans and you know they weren't actually in the war at, at the moment but yeah so interesting elements to the film but yeah definitely a standout performance for sure 100 yeah we we never like this is back when voodoo zombies reigned supreme in terms of zombies which now george Romero changed all that but right but they do have yeah. all those elements of like you know the graveyard where people had died and then they had like talking about resurrecting them and stuff like that i think that's how it went it's cool yeah. i i i did I, I think that this movie was pretty cool but yeah they like talked about like how this person had died and they resurrected them and shit like i'm thinking like voodoo zombies but then they actually resurrected the dead i'm like that's interesting so in like a zombie way yeah so, sometimes it is actual dead people sometimes yeah. it's just mind control it was kind of both it was kind of both yeah yeah there, there's a really there's a lot of interesting elements here and like how there's one point where the 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 character mandrid he actually it like kind of snaps out of it he figures it out yeah. like it's, it's really interesting so what did you give that one tyler um i'm glad you got to go first and set the bar low because i thought i was going to come in here and set you guys a record i'm going to come in at five and a half on that one five and oh. a half. <laughs> all right. nice nice all right. all right uh my number 10 uh in a uh, third film that has you know three unique films here uh is horror island from hmm. 1941 uh this one actually was directed by george wagner who did three films for 41 including man-made monster and the wolfman yeah um so yeah this one uh, a guy basically inherits this island um he him and his uh bro save this this guy and he tells him about this treasure that's on the island um i think his cousin offers to to buy the island but he doesn't want to and they're basically going to set up this like haunted house type thing on this island um and he ends up like wrecking into this girl um into her car he doesn't have the money to pay for it so he gets her to come on this island as well and then turns out that there might be something something more than their planned uh like house on haunted hill type shenanigans going on on this island um definitely more comedic than than horror um but i enjoyed it i thought that um you know the the acting and stuff was all pretty good um a little goofy but i liked it i gave it a six out of ten it's just like your typical like standard um like kind of set film like it just feels like it's totally set on a set like it, oh, i don't yeah. know like it's just it just, just absolutely feels like it but it's like a fucking it's like a scooby-doo episode it yeah really and like actually i never realized how much scooby-doo was influenced by cinema of this time because there is a lot of scooby-doo-esque filling things yeah in this yeah. era yeah it, like, it's actually incredible i didn't ever realize that scooby-doo was so already done <laughs> but yeah. it's like scooby-doo came out you know what i mean yeah. oh these are, these are like live action versions of like scooby-doo the original scooby-doo series it's crazy yeah. it's like that literally is, the same thing 
That's exactly yeah. how I felt about Spooks One Wild. That that there was just a Scooby-Doo. <laughs> like a Scooby Doo episode. Yeah, it is. When I was watching Horror Island, I kept thinking to myself, going, "This is Scooby Doo." <laughs> like it's literally the same thing. He's, yeah, it's funny. Um, yeah, there, there's like a peg leg dude and fucking a, that. You know, people are. But there's Scooby Doo episodes where they literally go to islands in the same shit. I know. <laughs> Like there's zombie island and stuff, right? Like it's the same premise. It's funny. Yeah. Um, so what, what did you give that one? I gave it a six out of ten. Oh, we starting at a six. Wow. Yeah. Your yeah. Boss. I'm actually coming in the highest on the on these films so far. Crazy. All right. Um. So coming in number nine for myself is um is a, f- a film called Hold That Ghost. Uh, of course, starring uh, Abbott Costello, um, which I've always been a huge fan of. Abbott and Costello are like just in, in they were in they're, they're comedic, dude. Specifically, uh, Costello, Costello. I the yeah. one. He the is show. just fucking great, dude. Well, and, and that, it, but that's the thing. Like you know, Abbott and Costello work so good, so well together because Abbott's that great initiator, and then Costello just takes that joke and rolls with it. They play off each other so fucking well. But yeah, Costello was like the he was the more notable because he was a chubbier, you know, physical comedian, and he was the punchline to everything, right? Yeah, it's so, just like Costello's the punchline in the movie. He is, yeah. man. It, it's you know, this story is so goofy because. Uh, you know, Abbott and Costello, they play like these dim-witted morons that can't hold down jobs that are working at this gas station and shit like that. Well, first they're he's they're at like a uh like a restaurant and he's like a waiter and he sucks real bad at that. Yeah, so they get fired from their job like right away. <laughs> Anyways, they're they're working as like um at this their gas station attendants and they're and they're bumbling morons. They're, they're literally idiots, right? Anyways, this one day, um, this gangster they get involved with this gangster, they get in inside this vehicle and there's like a shootout and stuff and this gangster ends up getting killed and somehow they end up being the beneficiary of his life it's because he didn't have any homies so he's like whoever's with me in my final moments oh yeah that's right yeah yeah that's right he even says that he's like whoever's in my final moments inherits everything blah 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 so so they actually go to this lawyer and they they end up working out all this stuff and they inherit this like house right and so there's like supposed to be a fortune in there and blah 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 and it turns into like an old dark house movie, essentially, yeah. right? It's very comedic. It's um, Abbott Costello. There's a whole pile of funny bits. Like I really do enjoy the uh, the changing room bits with the the, the mobster casino. <laughs> That's like a bedroom, and then it turns around. And it's like a casino and shit. That shit's all pretty funny, but but yeah, the movie is just if you're familiar with Abbott Costello, it's Abbott Costello with a bunch of kind of like you know quote unquote supernatural things that are happening and stuff and. And uh, they're trying to find the uh, the treasure, and you know it it it's pretty predictable in like every moment and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. it's funny, it's funny. Costello again completely steals the show. Um, I think this one's like really. Oh no, this one was a little bit longer too. This one was actually the second longest film of the year. So this one ran about yeah. uh, an hour twenty six, almost your standard kind of ninety minutes and stuff like that. Which actually surprised the shit out of me that this movie was so long giving what the narrative was a simple but like man would they get to the house pretty quick and it's just like there's so much like there's really no downtime in this movie it's just constant comedic elements like there's so much physical comedy and so much dialogue and so much like craziness that's happening in this film it it just blows my mind how much energy costello had rest in peace is costello who died so young right like you know Abbott and Costello had this crazy run of films and then they kind of broke up and like three years later, he fucking dies. It's like crazy. It's the same old story, right? You break up or quit your job after a long time and then you die, right? So yeah, sucks. But, but Costello, like, I mean, like I said, if you're a fan of Abbott and Costello and you're a fan of like, 
you know, the genre films that they broke into and stuff. This one is not one of the better ones that they have done, um, but still very enjoyable. There's a lot of funny parts in this. And it's this, this was completely a different era. I mean, and this type of stuff showcases it like the yeah. slapstick era very, doesn't very exist slapstick. anymore. Like, no, the, no, you really don't have slapstick period. It do- it just doesn't work. Like I'm a big fan of the Three Stooges. Like I grew up watching the Three Stooges. Some of my favorite mm-hmm. stuff ever is Three Stooges stuff. Yeah, and uh, you could definitely you actually funny thing. Costello definitely reminds me of of uh, Curly. Um, Curly Chris Farley. Three Stooges. You know, I, I've always thought that Chris Farley took his whole, you know, kind of persona from Costello. Possible the, fi- the physical cal the physical cal like the body type was bigger so he's a physical comedy he's very goofy he's very likable like there's just so many elements that Chris Farley possessed that Costello had too you know obviously different that he wasn't in a in a duo type well I guess kind of with David Spade in a sense like they always did shit together but not in the <laughs> same realm like this is an actual duo like Lauren Hardy and and the fucking uh, Three Stooges and stuff like that was a different time period for but I gotta say like they were so ahead of their time with their comedic elements man like the shit that they, they were just so quick-witted that comedic you know how hard it is to do comedy like that it's crazy yeah. to keep that shit up man very very smart you have to be intelligent everybody and, knows and, that and, and you gotta be smart the fun thing about these type of movies mm-hmm. too is just the jokes are so rapid fire it's yeah, just that, like that's what i mean like, like it's almost it, hard to process everything in one watch because it's like non-stop for like 85 minutes of just pee insanity man like even at the very beginning when he's talking about like the soup and stuff like that and yeah. like that joke goes on but they they tell like six jokes about the soup in like a yeah. in like a two minute time frame where he's like you know <laughs> he's like i don't want the soup he's like fine i'll have the soup he's like well, we ain't got the soup <laughs> it's like reiteration reiterations of like their you know who's on first like their baseball one right like they're famous you know yeah so yeah man hold that ghost it's uh it's pretty standard, but it's pretty fun though. It's pretty fun. I give it a six out of ten. Six out of ten. All right. Up yeah. From five to six. Go ahead. Um, so so far, four different movies. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. All right, Tyler. No, you're number nine. All right. So my number nine. Uh this movie's not really too bad. Um, it's all right. Uh it's the face behind the mask, starring Peter, Peter Lorre. Yeah. So Pierre Laurie's definitely puts in one of the better performances of the year. It's kind of like the tra- he's pretty he's like goofy, but he's like he's very he's yeah he's a character that like they, they give you some sort of investment in where like a lot of characters in uh, these movies really aren't. Uh, you mm-hmm. have that like little exchange right out front with him like losing his money and like just like hey they they're letting you know that he's a good guy right out front, and then something tragic happens he gets burned and basically turns to a life of crime and like recruits his gang. All this happens pretty quick just because these movies are short. Yeah. And he like his character is good. And like, um, he, but like, there's nothing about this movie that I found like super memorable. Whereas like there's other things in some of these other movies that I did, um, the way they put on the mask, they had him, they have him put on a mask to like save his, like to like hide his, his, um, disfigured face. Um, it's, kind of one of those like monsters they're creating a monster type deal mm-hmm. but it's not like but it's more of like he's he's like your he's like your friend though he's not like the monster you're like always in his corner which i guess is a little different but yeah. uh, there's some good stuff in there just because he was like one of the stronger actors obviously he's very recognizable he was on a ton of good stuff 
the same year he was in the Maltese Falcon, which is probably like the most memorable film of the year. Yeah, he yeah. did a lot of. Um, I mean, yeah, I guess the, the early the early film noirs that were around this time. But he did a lot of film noirs. Actually, he was very yeah. He was a he was a very notable villain. Then like later on, he did those Corman movies. So it's pretty cool just to see him in a movie. Yeah. He was in like yeah and but, he was good in the he was good in the comedic elements with like um the comedic films with uh with vincent price and stuff too they played off each other really well yeah so i, I really liked the first like two-thirds of this movie when he was doing like kind of all the crime stuff and it was a story about him with his face and everything but then yeah. once they kind of introduced like the love interest i thought it kind of like got a little sappy yeah and, <clears throat> like they take in a good direction. I don't want to spoil if anybody wants to go watch. They take in a good direction that does have some teeth, but like the way it just ends, it kind of just like left a, like a, a little bit of like a. I, I felt like it was a missed opportunity to like push push the movie a little bit more the way mm. it ended. Hmm. And there's nothing in it about it that made me like really like mem- remember it. Where there's like distinct things about like all these other movies where I can point to like, well, they did this part, this like particular thing exceptional, but. Yeah. I kind of just put this here as like it's a fun enough story. It's 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 a short watch, and Peter Laurie's good, but right. it's not it's not exactly a movie I would I would write home about. <clears throat> Fair enough. What do you give that one? I got one a six out of ten. Six out of ten. All right. All right. Um, next up for me is another first mention here. Um, it is The Devil Commands with uh, Boris Karloff. And uh, this one uh, follows a scientist who is doing research on the human brain and brain waves. Uh, his wife is killed in a car accident, um, and he becomes obsessed with the idea that he might be able to speak to her uh, beyond death. Um, he eventually runs into a medium who he proves is a phony medium, and uh but I, she has some potential ability and uh, he starts doing his research and stuff to communicate with uh, his wife and stuff. Um, I kind of like the setup to this one a lot, but I felt like it didn't really go in anywhere that was like, I guess more interesting and uh, kind of, kind of just a a basic movie which a lot of these these are again with the mad scientist thing and um you know this tragedy that it has him obsessed with sort of uh reconciling with his dead wife and um i think that the best thing about it is karloff obviously um pretty pretty fun watch but uh, i gave it a six out of ten six six out of ten all right man cool all right so coming in at number eight for myself is um uh another version of a classic post story um the black cats um yeah I, I again you know in the intro we we discussed the um my thoughts on these films that have been well i brought up you know the black cat and i the reason why i think it's the way it is and stuff like that but you know comparatively man to the 31 version who is you know also starring bella gosi in it and of course boris karloff and that movie is like super dark and and it's it's a really great film have you guys seen the 31 version of the black cat i have not oh you haven't oh shit Actually, man. wait hold on have i is that there was one i think i watched in october does it it's, have Edward G. Robinson in it? 
Oh, I can't remember. I just I can just remember Belagosian and, and uh, like their scenes together, just fantastic. No, oh, I've seen the thirty. I've seen the thirty four one. There's so many of those. Or 30, whatever, whatever it is, but yeah. So there's so many different versions. But anyways, that version with um, you know Belagosi, it's just so much darker, so much more horrific. It's it's really nasty. Actually, it's probably one of the most vicious adaptations of the Poe story. Where this is like polar opposite. This one is basically uh, an old dark house movie again, right? Um, mixed with you know the the whole black cat angle of Poe. And it's kind of like an Agatha Christie, 10 little Indians type thing too, right? Everyone kind of gathers in a house and people start getting picked off one by one. But this one does have a little bit of twists and turns and stuff where, you know, the, uh, the, the owner of the house. Um, Are you sure you're not-, not talking about the 34 version? Yeah. Maybe just the 34 version. They're all kind of the same. Yeah. So it did maybe come in, it came out in 34 and am I saying 31? doesn't matter. Whatever. Yeah. I think so it is a 31 one. Oh, maybe I'm wrong. We did I'm, that on the univer- first Universal show, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so maybe maybe just thirty four. I think yeah, it might I've even be. One. Is there another? Is there a silent version of Black Cat too? I don't know. There's so <laughs> many versions of the story; it's insane. So yeah, you're probably right. Thirty one, thirty four. What am I? Yeah, Carlisle. Oh, you know why I keep saying thirty one? Because Jekyll and Hyde. There's a thirty one version a 30, of that, yeah. and then there's a forty one. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So yeah, thirty four Black Cat with those two. It's just very very horrific. It's and then this one is completely different. But um, which is actually kind of crazy. It's only seven years later, and they did another version of Black Cat, but. Um, this one has some interesting elements. You know, it doesn't start out with the the owner being dead. She's actually still alive in this one. And she's like reading off her will. And then, you know, she kind of stops. And then there's some twists and turns with that and stuff. And people start getting picked off. There's a real, lot of really elements here. A lot of really interesting elements that are going on. There's some interesting characters. I think the dude that is in the antique dealer or whatever, the guy that wants to buy the shit is like <laughs> so over the top comedic. I think it's played by Hugh Herbert in this one ridiculous performance ridiculous performance um pretty interesting adaptation it kept kept me interested through the whole thing but i kept thinking to myself going holy shit man this is like pure comedy it's pure comedy i wouldn't even classify this movie as being really hard would you guys classify <laughs> like i mean people do die and stuff but it has this <laughs> such playful old dark house feel to it that it's almost like they weren't going for that they putting in the dark elements was like kind of like okay well we have to put a little bit of dark elements because we have to incorporate the black cat somehow but of course bella Gosi, again it almost like a tragedy in itself like super underutilized man like that's kind of the story of bella Gosi's career i always felt like man like he he mm-hmm. always excelled when he was you know when he had that leading role and stuff i felt like he was always a good uh presence on screen and stuff but I feel like when he's in these minor roles, like you just miss him on screen. I don't know why he wasn't utilized more. Like, cre- like he was a big fucking household name at the time. You probably could have put him in a different role in the film instead of just having him as this kind of like throwaway character kind of thing. But yeah, you know, biggest complaints, man, like having these big names in films. And I, I know why they did it because Universal was like, oh, and Bella, like you could, you could bill him. And then people are like, oh, we'll go yeah, see this yeah. film. But, it, but it's like, they didn't want to fucking have him in the film for longer. It's like, if they didn't want to pay the fucking dude or something like that, it's weird. It's, there's so many films like this. It's crazy. Um, maybe that's why Boris Karloff wasn't getting a lot of roles in 41 because he was um, wanting too much money, which I know was a thing. And actually Boris Karloff, there's a whole story with Karloff in the, in the whole, um, you know, Hollywood's, um, actors guild and all that type of shit right he's kind of the guy that started all that shit so but anyways um the black cat it is a very comedic version of the post story very very different than the 34 version um but it's entertaining you know it runs a quick 70 minutes um <laughs> I like the old lady in this is actually the one that steals the show for me before she ultimately <laughs> finds her death but like <laughs> it's just like 
the scene where they with the with the cat just like, oh, okay we're just we're gonna throw that into the fireplace kind of thing i'm like okay <laughs> that's fucking ridiculous but entertaining enough just not really a lot to say about it there's nothing really to say about it bella ghosty's under use six and a half out of ten i thought it was entertaining so all right. Um, all right so we're gonna finally hit our first repeat uh and that's gonna be uh the devil's command by edward dimtrick um i kind of feel the same way i do about this as the man behind the uh the whatever the peter lohar movie is and it's got a title like that but um face kind behind of a, the mask the face behind the mask yeah <laughs> but basically everything you said it's kind of like a basic story but like i thought the scientist stuff were done but it, this does have like a little tinge of writing that i thought was pretty good and kind of separated itself uh i like the stuff about like when they were like busting the psychic right at the beginning uh, like the trick i thought that was pretty cool and i thought the concept and like how kind of explored like the themes of loneliness gave me a little bit more than some of the movies before it but it's still like like you said it's pretty basic there's not a whole lot to add it's just like it's a it's a quick 60 minutes it's entertaining enough it's got boris carlos who's obviously the best part he kind of lines up to me the same as peter laurie did but i think this one's got a little better story i like the the mad it's the mad science stuff is better than i think what was offered in that one and I'm about around the same, though. I'd give this one a six out of ten. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Uh, we now have another repeat. <laughs> Actually, in the same position, uh, I have the black cat in my number eight. So right with your moods. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's basically like Clue or something. You know what I mean? Trying to figure out who who's the person that's, you know, behind the the murder and uh obviously it's um you know well i'm not gonna say who it is but um yeah uh i don't know dude <laughs> the black cat it's uh i, I thought there was a, the the a funny moment where the uh he goes to give her milk and then the cat dies <laughs> the cat's just dead as fuck on the floor I know. from drinking the poison milk <laughs> i know that shouldn't be funny but it, it cracked me up he's like he's like no i mean actual poison <laughs> um but yeah i give it a six and a half out of ten a lot of comedy yeah it's uh man i tell you man like it's it's nowhere near the adaptation from years prior to it like yeah that one's better it's it's actually really good it's actually one of my favorite versions of the black of the post story to be honest but all right, so getting into my number seven here is uh, a, oh, a film I think that uh, JP already talked about, and it is the Scooby Doo episode of Horror Island. <laughs> Man, I, I, I well, the part where they where they get on the boat and the dude throws in the package that shit made and me, then it fucking blows it fucking up. explodes. It made me laugh so hard. I was like, that's so fucking goofy. <laughs> It's so goofy, man. I'm like, oh my yeah. god, that's so dumb. And they're just like, okay, well, let's get to the island. And then, yeah, it, it's it's very standard. It, this is such a short movie; it only runs an hour, so it's very quick moving. You know, we already talked about it. it's like this guy who organizes this trip to this island, and you know, there's you know, there may or may not be some supernatural elements happening and stuff like that. It's a fucking Scooby Doo episode, man. It's so quick. Mm -hmm. It's so damn quick. Like there is some funny moments. It's totally shot on a sound set. Like it's very cheaply done. Small cast but enjoyable for what it is. Um, it's, it's, it's just very, very standard. Um, not really a whole lot to say about it. Like there's no in depth here. I don't think there's any type of in, in, intentional, um, social commentary. It's a fucking comedy. 
<laughs> straight up con- and actually even indb even has this one as comedy crime mystery it doesn't even say horror and horror is in the fucking title of the movie <laughs> really yeah I this one actually yeah this one actually evaded me i didn't know about this one because i searched by four obviously then i just searched by popularity kind of look at the adjacent things and since this thing was under comedy i just missed it yeah i mean this one's actually on uni- one of the universal uh screen factory sets i can't remember which one it is oh, three okay. or four or oh yeah like this is i was um, wondering like how did you own some of these movies i feel yeah. like it was the wolf well invisible ghost was released by like Kino and then pretty much yeah I, I want to say man-made monster black cat horror island monster and the girl those are all on um universe uh screen factory releases yeah so like I think three of them are actually on one pack right? yeah no so, you have man-made monster the black cat and horror island all on I think it's the third volume yeah and oh, the, that's mon- cool. the monster and the girl is on one and it's like that one is a weird one it's like all jungle type universal films and stuff like that it's weird like monster jungle films and stuff so yeah so a lot of these are readily available yeah so yeah but, most uh, of them are on youtube yeah horror island it's it's fun it's just hilarious to me it's called horror island and it's like not even dubbed as a horror film it's like kind of more straight comedy but going back to what we talked about man it's just uh it's trying to make light of the times i think man <laughs> really yeah. it's entertaining though it actually is very very entertaining and it's a quick watch like it's like watching a fucking you know an hour-long tv episode it's just straight to dvd scooby-doo live action movie it's, it's yes so. that's the thing about these like they can only be like so offensive and like so boring if they're 60 minutes it's like you kind of right, just take yeah. it for it's 60 minutes right right so i i give that one about a six and a half out of ten it's entertaining enough GP, what did you give the black hat? Uh, six and a half. It was six and a half. Okay. Cool. All right. Uh, we're going to be staying in the comedy horror realm. Uh, this is the first movie I'd say, like, I really like. Um, and that is The Smiling Ghost. Mm. Uh, this one's a little interesting. Um, uh, it does, it kind of like is more blending of like comedy mystery than, uh, some of the other ways that comedy works in, in this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's basically it's the story about this woman who her three who's who's on her fourth husband her three previous and her three previous grooms have been died or been maimed they've all died like some terrible way and this guy marries her and like find finds all this out and it's actually the thing and he starts seeing like ghosts and it's a, and it becomes like a mystery of what's happening to these to these uh to her to her husbands is he next and, but it's presented in a goofy way. But I really felt like this movie had some genuine scares in it. Uh, the guy that, like, creeps around uh, as the ghost is, like, I thought he was pretty freaking creepy. And, like, there was, like, a jump, a real jump scare to where, like, all of a sudden this dude just comes, like, walking out of the corner. And I really liked the mystery and how goofy it was. It, it all just kind of worked, worked for me. It was, it was like a stew. And right. what this also had, um, not as good as our boy Mantan, but this also kind of had a character like Mantan who was like kind of followed around for comedic relief and act the same. He's not as good, but he's pretty funny. And he does like some goofy ankle sh- like shaking stuff. Like when a ghost shows up, he does the same like facial reactions. Uh, and it kind of, it all just kind of works for me. Uh, I like that one. Yeah. Um, I wasn't actually overly a huge fan, but I do, I do remember the, the part with uh, the dude stepping out. So that was actually pretty well done. 
that was a decent part in the film for sure yeah like a couple of those elements just shined and like it stood out to me more and i thought like the writing was pretty decent i thought it was a cool little story about like this like black widow basically right all right uh what'd you Uh, rate that i'm gonna bump now we're gonna bump up to six and a half territory six and a half all right um coming in at number seven for myself uh is another bay lugosi picture um see when when you're talking old films you say picture um (laughs) and that is uh the invisible ghost or invisible ghost and yeah this was i think the first one that i watched and um it basically follows this this dude played by bay lugosi who is um sort of you know sort of tragically he's mourning the wife or his loss mourning his wife wife, yeah uh, who died in a car accident um and we find out that she's actually not dead but she's sort of has severe brain damage and she's being held on the grounds but in the goddamn garage but by who is the even guy that that's he's the housekeeper he's the housekeeper i guess so his his reasoning for not telling belagosi that his wife was still alive is because he didn't want to burden him with the fact that she was never going to be the same again because she had brain damage so like must have missed that part yeah so he's keeping her in there alive but doesn't yeah and he doesn't want to tell bella because like he just he thinks that he wouldn't be able to handle the fact that she was um you know her she had brain damage and he was probably better off knowing that she was dead than having brain damage it's very odd it's very right. fucking and, strange and also he doesn't really do a good job of keeping her inside the garage no no he's um, <laughs> but we also have um uh bailey Gossi's daughter who's um part of the film and and her boyfriend or husband or i think he wants she wants him to marry her which was actually kind of a plot point in a lot of movies of the time yeah um yeah. But uh, basically, people are getting murdered, and you, you know, is it the wife who has brain damage? Is it Bela Gosi who is uh, begins seeing his wife, um, which we assume is? I, I guess the way you're supposed to take it is that he's seeing, he thinks he's seeing her ghost. You know what I mean? T- hence the title. Which I gotta say, man, ghost. is probably the funniest part of this narrative, which literally makes no sense into what happens to him when he sees her, like it's so funny that well they, imagine they wrote, if you saw your dead wife all the time but like but like the end result of it's so extreme it's like it's so bizarre <laughs> it is like how they threw, like it's just it doesn't just, make the most sense but <laughs> yeah it's really really bizarre man like i i, I yeah i know it's really funny <laughs> it's so fucking it's quirky for its time because it, the narrative is so different although like the the genetic makeup of this is kind of funny because bella goes he pl- this type of narrative has been so many times where bella's like you know mourning the white or loss of his wife and stuff like in so many movies he's done this so many times in his career it's yeah. like it's like the writers could never write anything different for bella it's like hey you know we gotta we gotta make you this tragic fit you know your your, your wife has been lost and stuff and then you know we'll go from there fuck and and he does do a good job of of being the sort of tragic figure there well he's Um, good because like bella's not underusing the film he's actually the main character in the movie right right so he's on screen a lot and that's what makes this movie really good is because bella's on screen in kind of two different elements of bella and it's it's fun and 
there there is some really there i guess there is some comedic moments in this too with like the other housekeepers how they keep getting picked off and people they keep hiring a new one i'm like oh i'm surprised you took the job <laughs> right <laughs> but didn't you hear that the last 13 uh, uh, uh housekeepers got killed <laughs> and then like the 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 boyfriend or supposed fiance dies and then his brother shows up and it's like the same guy yeah yeah he's like he really looks identical <laughs> to him it's hilarious It's because it's the same actor <laughs> which is funny because going back to like you know the budget constraints like well they could have a different person but we'll throw this in a narrative it's just way cheaper to have the same actor <laughs> so right, we'll just create yeah. that oh you look the same <laughs> uh, i think he I actually was his twin brother though didn't they say it was his twin brother I think, yeah, it I think was. So. Yeah. I think so. <laughs> they actually throw that into the narratives because it's just a cheap yeah. way of using the same actor um but i gave that one a six and a half out of ten yeah six and a half out of ten yeah i actually reviewed that one for um uh in 31 days of horror which no one watched so <laughs> nobody ever watches the older one so um all right so what are we at here number six. number six all right so coming in number six is a another bella Gosi film which is called king of the zombies uh i actually like this movie quite a bit actually i thought it was i mean it's pretty standard um you know mad scientist type shit but i thought it was kind of interesting that they set it during the war and they had those kind of war elements to it and stuff and you know it was i thought it was there was interesting there was a lot of interesting elements with uh just the fact that they you know they were what they were doing with the zombies and they actually incorporate you know the um the oh no what the fuck what am i talking about oh yeah 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 king of the zombies <laughs> yeah king of zombies shit no sorry i was having a fucking brain fart there so anyways yeah so i like the fact that they you know what they're doing with the zombies but then they incorporate the actual rising of the dead zombies too i thought that was actually really interesting for 41 because i can't think of too many other films that were doing that because like we know at the time like in the 30s and shit pretty much every type of zombie film was straight voodoo zombies you know mm. um but again you know bella Gosi, uh pretty much he's not even in this movie what the fuck am i talking about that's right i'm getting i'm getting that's why i was getting all fucking brain he's not even in this fucking movie i'm thinking of another one i'm looking at one title i'm looking at one title and talking about and i'm thinking bella ghost because we're just talking about bella ghost yeah bella ghost is on this film. these movies really do blend together they really like, do dude it's not your fault it's no not your fault i'm literally looking at this title and thinking bella ghost because we're just talking about it. i'm thinking i'm like what the fuck am i talking he's not in this why movie. do you keep saying bella ghost yeah i know so matt so more man and morland in this film he like we talked about earlier man this guy totally steals the fucking show like legitimate funny ass comedians and stuff like that um but yeah no i like the fact that they set this film during war world war ii and you know the core narrative it was was kind of interesting to me i thought it was just it, there was a little bit more to your typical mad scientists and shit like that but mm. all in all you know i mean at the end of the day it's it's pretty standard stuff but but very very good performance and that this the reason why i really like this movie is because this guy was the standout in this film you didn't even care about the zombies or you know the core narrative of the film yeah. because this guy was just so damn good and it was shocking even, you oh, know sorry. it it was just very shocking to me that he was more or less kind of the main character in the film for the times and it was kind of blowing my mind a little bit but you know there's a like, there's a lot of really kind of racist oppressive stuff that's happening in this film too um but all in all though man his performance is you know like very influential i think man very influential um, and yes, Belagosi is not in this movie. I'm like having brain farts right there because I'm, I got too much going on here. But yeah, King of the Zombies, man, pretty standard stuff. We've talked about it a couple of times, though. Not really a lot to 
more to report on it to be honest but i give this one about a seven out of ten and it's solely because of um his performance man it's crazy it's just it really was shocking to me so yeah i feel like i'd rather rather rewatch this than some of the other ones i just kind of put up yeah yeah talked about it's definitely one of the movies like i said though like where a single performance kind of made you forget about how standard the mad scientist angle for it was and yeah you know it needs a blu-ray but like I said, yeah. though, like incorporating the idea of the dead actually rising, you know, with the fresh graves and, and doing that kind of angle and having the voodoo zombies and him snapping out. Like, there's certain things in this movie that were happening that I've never I've never seen up to this point. Like in all of voodoo zombie movies, I've never seen like people kind of snap out of being, you know, hypnotized and shit like that. That was kind of an interesting angle. I feel like I want to watch Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island now. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, King of the Zombies, um, pretty enjoyable actually. It's 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 kind of a it, you know kind of stands out a little bit for myself this year. So seven out of ten solely for the performance, but <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Okay, Tyler. So we're getting to our first three P here. Uh, at my number six, I have the Black Cat. And I think I'm a little bit higher than you guys are on this just because for this, the last like maybe 10 minutes of this movie when the mystery was like right unfurling and everything was getting put to rest. I I like legitimately was like so into it. I was like so tense for some reason. Um, and there's not a movie that we watched that really matched that. Hmm. That matched the same feeling for whatever reason. It just hit me that way. I really like black cat stories. So yeah. that might have something to do with it. Like it's, it's definitely like a story of I gravity to my favorite ones. Probably your vice is a locked door. Uh, locked but, room. Yeah. Or locked room. Oh man. And but, only I have the key. <laughs> only you. Yeah. There's so many good ones, man. Like I love Fulci's version. I love the, uh, um, the masters of horror with uh, Jeffrey Combs episode of black hat. Like there's a lot of really good ones. This one is just done so differently. It's like straight comedy, yeah. but you know, th- there's yeah. some good parts. There's some decent atmosphere that's, you know, outside and shit like that, but you know. Yeah. But you know, only, only can say so much about the black cat, but I, I have it a little higher. Cause I just, I thought the ending was really well done and I had me at the edge of my seat. Hmm. So I'm going to hold that one at six and a half too. Nice. All right. All right. Uh, I think this is another first appearance here. Um, Number six is the uh, another film made by uh, George Wagner there, and that is Man Made Monster, uh, which is essentially a Frankenstein ripoff. But I actually think this is one of the more, even though it's a Frankenstein ripoff, I think this is one of the more like well baked movies in the entire year, um, because it's like interesting and it actually has like. Um, even though it's a, a ripoff, it, it seems more unique than a lot of the stuff that we're get, that we were getting here. Um, starring um, Lon Chaney Jr., uh, basically uh, this guy gets in an accident with these power lines, and he's the only person on this bus who didn't die. And it's because he sort of built a minor immunity to electricity because of this sideshow um, thing that he does, and basically this mad scientist. Uh, starts giving him more and more and more electricity and it kind of like fries his brain and then he becomes sort of this this person that can just touch someone and they die of electricity and stuff like that um and then you know there's 
goes to the electric chair and shit. It's I think it's a pretty cool movie, honestly. I think it's a lot of fun. Um, and it's only 60 damn minutes, dude. This thing cruises by. Um, but yeah, I uh I gave this one a seven out of ten. Nice. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. So coming in at number five, and this is why I mentioned Belagosi being in King of the Zombies, because this is uh he was in the Invisible Ghost, my number five. <laughs> I'm like reading this and I'm like, the fuck, I'm like half brain farting here. I'm just overdoing my shit. But yeah, so Invisible Ghost, which we just covered, um, is such a goofy story. But the best thing about this movie is that we get Bella Gosi on screen playing kind of two different entities of his character, which is kind of cool. But man, it, I tell you, man, what a fucking goofy thing. Like, <laughs> I don't really want to <laughs> give it away. I don't really want to give away why or what's going on because I want people to watch it. But it's it's highly entertaining. Like, for a film that runs over just it's really short like just over 60 minutes i think i love how they give him a sanity test at the right. <laughs> towards the end of the movie a sanity test right a sanity t- and, and and the sanity test is like so of the time <laughs> right. so elementary it's are you hilarious. insane no it's like <laughs> looks like he's clear gentlemen <laughs> i still think the reason why this movie is so enjoyable is because of how goofy the narrative is like who would ever just like coop up a human to like save the pain and egg like you think it's you think that's going to be like you're going to tell someone that their wife is dead because you think that you know her being you know kind of damaged is is worse off <laughs> i don't know man but keep her alive it's just such a weird narrative but um it, it it's a fun movie it's a really fun one and you know it's good to see bella you know throw out a whole film in this one so i i'm going to give this one about a seven out of ten same rating i gave it in my review and stuff just not really a whole lot to say about it you know all right all right um we're up to another repeat and that's gonna be a man-made monster Uh, i like this one a lot for a lot of the same reasons that you did um i thought um lon cheney just did such a sick job like being this on-screen presence both the movie he's in he's just he's for for me he is the best on-screen presence of the year like every scene Mm. that he's in he's the star of like and he he fits both roles well. He did he like puts on this sympathetic character that really like works for these type of roles. Um, it's not as strong as Frankenstein, like you said. It's pretty much a ripoff of it. It's done a little bit, almost. I mean, not more sci-fi, but I guess like just a different take on it. But I really liked a lot of the a lot of the cinematography that they created with him, just like when he's like lit up, just running through like the field, running through the forest at night. Mm-hmm. A lot of those shots are really good. Um, I thought I had, I thought I had a great ending. It could like a lot of these movies kind of, I think copped out on the endings. And this is one of the ones that didn't mm-hmm. and just, just tragic, man. It's like the most yeah. tragic Lon Chaney is like the most tragic character of the year. Like, yeah. You could just see it in his eyes, bro. He does yeah. a really good job playing that character. Yeah. Right. But yeah, it's pretty much, pretty much what you said. It's a friend. Frankenstein ripoff, but that doesn't mean it's bad. So it's pretty good. Um, I'm going to stay with a 6.5 on that one. All right. All right. And uh, I guess my number five, um, which is the film that has been mentioned. Uh, it's a comedy. Um, Hold That Ghost with uh, Abbott Costello. Um, yeah. I feel like we talked about this one a good bit when, when Moods brought it up. Um it starts off in it, it, I at first I was like, where's the horror? Because at first it's in like this restaurant and yeah. then it's at a gas station. 
and then finally it's in like a police chase and you're like is this gonna be a horror at all like spooky um but then we get into the haunted house and and it's it's cool and this film like sort of really like showcased to me the um like what i was saying about how we're already getting sort of like satirical uh films of of like haunted house films and stuff like that Mm -hmm. where you're seeing a lot of these tropes done for comedy and i just didn't expect that to happen this early in history of horror so it was kind of interesting to see that but you could really just watch these two a bunch because they're they're just hilarious and they have so much charisma um so yeah i give that one a seven out of ten yeah i mean that's the one thing about hold that ghost that's kind of you know is different than the rest of the films from this year is like how much more narrative they put like how much more story and how much more scenes they put into this film yeah you know it being a quite a bit longer almost like a regular 90 minute film but they really could have shortened this thing up where you know they get into a vehicle with a gangster and then they inherit and then all of a sudden they're at the house and stuff but they kind of elongated the story right they threw in so much more elements it makes it feel like it's such a bigger film than all the other films because there's different locations in this one we have the we have the big dinner scene with the you know the singing and dancing and shit and then we've got the gas station we got the uh, the chase we've got the lawyer scenes and then we've got the house right so yep. it's it's such a big bigger scale film which is funny because it's like an Abbott Costello fucking comedic show <laughs> right? right it's it's kind of strange um but yeah all right so what'd you get that one seven seven cool <sighs> man I can't believe the ratings on this pretty funny all right so <laughs> coming in number four for myself is a film that I've actually really enjoyed man and and that is uh the face behind the mask uh, of course, we we talked about this one uh, starring Peter Lorre, which you know is is essentially another. It fits into the common theme of tragic stories of 1940 because basically what we get here is Peter Lorre is a. Uh, um, where where do they say he's coming from? He's like, what European country is he supposed to be from? So he's he's immigrating from somewhere, anyways. Hungary, yeah, Hungary. That's what it is. So he's he's migrating from uh, Hungary to the U.S. You know, to 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 live out the American dream and stuff and. Of course, we get here, and he's got a little bit of cash, and tragedy strikes when he gets burnt. Right, his face gets all from fucked some up. stupid shit too. Yeah, some stupid <laughs> shit. So, like the one dude, uh, like I think they even say like at the beginning when he first like the rules of the the hotel or motel or wherever the hell he is, where they say like you know don't be cooking in your room. Right, <laughs> and the one dude's like cooking in his room, and yeah. this other dude tries to like spot him, and he like fucking hurries up and hides it in the drawer and yeah stupid then like hours later it catches the place on fire <laughs> right so stupid so Did yeah you so feel that, like they made that scene funny oh it was definitely funny okay just to make sure <laughs> the only I, did, I, I thought I that thought was, it was funny like, I, just, uh, I kept thinking to myself going who in the right mind would ever do that <laughs> like, i know like who would ever think to do that like it just seems so out of place it seemed weird to me but so Peter Lorre gets gets burnt up and stuff, and and then you know he's trying to find a job, like he wants to live out this American dream and stuff. And of course, nobody will hire him because he looks, you know, he's hit it. He looks hideous, right? Which I I think it's a fucking commentary on you know how at the time when like migrate like my migration oh, was a lot of yeah. people were coming in and stuff and Americans and like you know just a lot of people were scared and they were pissed off that you know these people were taking all their jobs and stuff like that and I think it's kind of a commentary on that I mean when you mm-hmm. look at it like you know man behind the the face behind the mask because if you're not talking in society and you're like a white immigrant and stuff like you look you could look American right you can go and get mm-hmm. a job blah 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 and stuff but 
the face behind the mask is, you know, in contrast and metaphorical to, you know, him being a foreigner. And this is the reason why he's not really getting the jobs. It has nothing to do with his face being, you know, burnt up and stuff like that. But in this case for this, it is, I think that's the metaphor though, but yep, um, I agree. I totally think it is. But anyways, he can't get a job and stuff. And he ends up meeting this, uh, the street criminal who's been doing a bunch. He's making a living off of, you know, doing these little small crimes and stuff like that. And he realizes very soon that, you know, he can't get a job because his face is all fucked up. And he also learns that if he gets a bunch of money, he can actually, you know, get a new face. I mean, that'll help him, you know, you know, start his life over, but he needs to get the money. So he resorts to a life of crime which kind of leads into him, you know, getting money and then it leads into a relationship and stuff, which the whole story is just like a huge tragedy because like where it ends up is, you know, you come here for American dream and that's not really how it ends up to be and stuff like that. But um, I think the movie is cool and it works because Peter Laurie's performance is, is really good. It's, you know, it's very tragic and stuff, but I do agree with Tyler. I think that the whole relationship angle, of the film really does bring down what we're, what they're trying to showcase in this movie. I get it. You want to make it a little bit more sensitive to that. He's, that he can have a relationship but but on the flip side of that the girl that he has a relationship with is fucking blind right that plays into the that plays in yeah. the metaphor also right and it's it's kind of funny in itself and it's almost like a it's almost like a pointing and laughing moment at him too like the only person that he can start a relationship with is with, is with a blind woman and stuff and it, I, it, I think it, the idea behind it is that like if someone can't see you they're forced to um judge you on you and see the goodness inside of you right right and i actually kind of liked it and i i no no, no. i, I the, the meaning the meaning behind it but i just i just feel like it took away yeah. from you know the other parts of the film i mean it's a quick film it only runs about 65 minutes or yeah. 70 minutes it, it felt like a speed bump yeah and i felt like it actually took up too much narrative you know too much time in, in you know in the film just you know for that and stuff but yeah i get what you're saying but it also it actually uh, it actually does push the plot along because it it makes him want to get out of the gang life, well i think that's why I'm... they do i think that's why they do they, he wants like, to do it not only for himself but at this moment he wants to do it for somebody else that actually truly cares about him and stuff like that but yeah he just you know, needed to find that again that that the world wasn't just bad right right it wasn't yeah you know it you know it, it the movie does have more or less a very nihilistic feel to it in a sense because mm -hmm. like you just feel like this is a tragedy from the start like a couple films here like you know where this is ending right from the start right and you, you feel sorry for him and you know he's the face mask is, is creepy as shit though man there's something about like that it's almost like the original mike myers mask Got like this really white kind of fucking no yeah. like kind of like just no personality kind of look to him and stuff and which, you know, is probably done on purpose again. But uh, his performance really sells it for me. I think Peter Lorre knocks out the park in this. And, um, you know, and it's uh, it does have a bunch of different locations. It feels like it's a little bit bigger. I think the production feels a lot higher on this one, mm -hmm. um, you know, and uh, it's uh, it, it does kind of come together again. But, you know, it's I, I almost expected Peter Lorre there to say that he used to think his life was a tragedy, but now he realizes it's a comedy. <laughs> <laughs> right right yeah um but i think it's i think it's actually pretty good i i even like the dude that uh that he gets in the crime with and stuff and i i think that guy is pretty decent in the film also so there's some decent characters but um mm -hmm. overall really enjoyed it seven out of ten for myself all right that was your number four yep okay tyler so my number four is a movie that I maybe 
might not necessarily like as much as some of the other ones I just talked about. Um, but this movie like goes a lot bigger than the rest of them. Uh, and that's uh, Victor Fleming's Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Mm-hmm. So I did feel like this movie was a little bit too long and it took a little bit to get going, but all the Jekyll and Hyde stuff is pretty good. Uh, it's basic, your basic story. You have your scientist who's, Believes that who has a strong belief in good and evil exist, and it opens in a church. Kind of provides like a backdrop for the whole movie, and uh, his wife and his the girl's father doesn't approve, and it's always been it seems like it's been an issue between the two. And she's not on, he's not on board with all the ex- these experiments, and they get into this blowout at this party, and he really wants to push forward with this experiment, but his patient his patient dies. He finds out, so his plan is screwed, and he just but he's he feels like he's pushed against the wall, so he does it out himself, and then that uh, then your Jekyll and Hyde story starts where the dark side runs amok. Uh, well, his experiment kind of, actually works too too good. Yeah, yeah. Really. Like, I mean, like yeah. Um, <laughs> like it's it's funny because it's not one of those mad scientist things where you're trying to do something and it goes wrong and then you end up like you know, as a hideous creature or something like that. He's actually trying to bring out the evil because he's trying to prove that evil exists in everybody, but it almost works too fucking well. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, it's not the the desired result. It feels like he can can separate the two and keep them under control, but uh, these things escalate. He really can't, but this movie is like, it's... I can't knock like like how good like the cinematography is and like the sets are, how much better like the acting is compared to mm-hmm. a lot of movies in this. There's a lot of really big stars and I was like taken back by and it kind of seemed like a break movie because like Victor Fleming had just done Gone Without the Wind, Gone with the Wind in um Wizard of Oz. Gone without the wind. But yeah, he's he's coming off a of two giant movies. So obviously he's got the talent and um probably the the studio behind him for something like this. Mm-hmm. And I think he does like all the directorial stuff. Right. And I like how this movie really like still keeps it dark. This, this is one of the darker movies from the year. <clears throat> really? Uh, you think so? Really man, does- I, I actually like totally, I, I disagree with it, man, because like if you watch the, what now I'm going to say 31 Jekyll and Hyde, that movie is like, it's super, it, it's more of a straight up horror film. Right. And you know, even though that the adaptation is a little bit different than the story and stuff, but but this one right here is kind of funny because like the love interest, she in the 31 version, I believe is a prostitute. And in this one, she's yeah. like a barmaid. And also when he turns into Hyde here, he's not like the most insane, hideous, like beastly kind of creature that he was in the 31. So it, it seemed like a lot more kind of creature horish type thing. I feel like that one being a shorter film and also just having a little bit more different elements. They actually, um, they did it on purpose too. They made this one a little bit more f- like, you know, I f- or friendly for the public to, to see by not having the prostitute in there and, and not having the beast as, as beastly. Yeah, as but they have an implied stuff. rape in here though. Yeah. But uh, yeah, which is weird, but again, it's implied. I mean, so there's certain elements to hear. And I, I just feel like this movie had no business being almost two hours because there is no, a that's, lot. That's my thing. That's my thing again. So, like, I feel like it accomplishes the most of, like, just, yeah. like, being this, like, big movie at the time where that's where I'm, like, I'm kind of giving it its credit. But, like, I, it's definitely way too long. Big time. And, you know, it's funny, too, because I, I finished watching this film and I kept thinking to myself, like, I thought Spencer Tracy was actually really good as Dr. Hyde. I think he or as uh, as Mr. Hyde. Um, I thought his performance as that was really good. Like, he in some of the makeup effects and stuff, like, he... 
actually looks completely different. It's kind of, it's it's you know it's it's better than like a stupid fucking Clark Kent thing. I've always hated the Superman yeah. thing. I think the oh, Superman thing Superman. is the stupid. Superman's the, the dumbest shit in the world. I know. I've I've never bought into the fact that like a pair of glasses makes the whole character. I'm like it's so fucking stupid. But at least with you know with Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde, like the way they make him look, like he looks like a different person. It's kind of cool. And actually a different person, but, but Ingrid Bergman, like I I'm watching this film going, holy fuck. Like she seemed like she was totally miscast in this. And I was reading through the trivia on it. And it actually says that, you know, she feels like she was miscast in this. And a lot of people agree that she was totally miscast in the film and stuff. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I totally got that while watching this movie, big name, weird role. It just didn't make a lot of sense to me, but, uh, but I do feel like the scale of filmmaking here by uh by Fleming is um is you know it, it's in the realm of what he can do it's it's a big production good acting you know a lot of dif- different locations that look good and stuff the acting's great and but yeah. overall for me it's just I don't know what the fuck they were trying to accomplish with with elongating this story making it two hours it just yeah. didn't make a lot of sense to me because it seems like there's a lot of filler in this movie there really is yeah, it seems like it takes a long time to get going, but I felt really? like once it got going, it was good. Yeah, I mean, you know, the last 20 minutes are, are pretty entertaining and stuff like that, but I feel like there's just, it's it has this kind of like bumpy road through the whole thing. It does take a while, and then it, it kind of picks up a little bit, and then it just kind of drops down for a little bit, and then it kind of picks up towards the end. It's very, yeah. it's very up and down for me, and I was like, man, it's like a slug to get through. It's like crazy long. I just couldn't believe it, how long this fucking movie was. Yeah. <laughs> You know, yeah. I mean, the grand I, scale of things, this movie in theory is literally almost double the length of most of the movies that we watched. Yeah, it's like on the giant in the bulk of the next longest movie is like 86 minutes long. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, I haven't seen any other adaptions. So, like, maybe if I had something to weigh it against, I would feel a little bit differently about this. Because mm-hmm. it's like I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't think that like the ten, the version ten years before this would have been like darker than this. I didn't oh, like. It's straight I, horror. Yeah, it's yeah. straight horror. So like I just felt like the way like the movie concluded it and like the place it left you in, as well as like the applied rape, were like just like, uh, like like darker than like the things yeah. that scaled this year. I'm kind of also just like scaling it against like the other movies from this year, and I when you stack even... it up like that, yeah, I can't remember if they have that in the original. I, I don't know. I've seen so many adaptations of Jekyll and Hyde that like I'm starting to get them mixed up, even with like the weird. 70s exploitation ones and yeah. i mean yeah ver- there was even a 1920 version that was even 10 years before the fucking 31 yeah, yeah the yeah. silent one yeah. i feel like earlier than this they definitely want to show something like that yeah like, they I have, definitely wouldn't think about implying it i haven't watched the 21 in a long time i actually want a copy of it um is that the jacqueline hyde is that the is that the barrymore one is is he the star in that one um john barrymore like the like, 21 the 1920 yeah. version yeah uh yeah john barrymore yeah that's um yeah that's uh, drew barrymore's uh, great-grandfather um did not did not know <laughs> yeah yeah no he was a big he was a big actor in, the, in those days um but yeah no it's just it's definitely a huge ass production that's just it's it it does stick out in the in the scheme of things from 40 now have you ever sure. seen the 1912 version no <laughs> oh my goodness no never what seen about that. the 1913 version no that's nuts like this is 1941 we're on the fifth adaption of it yo it's crazy it's crazy <laughs> i least. swear there was one every decade like i swear there was one at least every and there was a bunch in the 70s like there's so many versions of them man there's like yeah. 46 versions you know what i like more. uh anthony perkins played uh jacqueline hyde role uh, in the 80s and it was pretty good um 
can't remember what the movie's called right now. There's a 1908 version and oh, oh my Edge God. of Sanity. Oh, oh, Edge of Sanity. Yeah, that's what it's called. Yeah, yeah. From uh, 1910, 1912, 1913, 1914, and then 20. There's two in the 20s. 1920, exactly. There's two versions. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> and then I think there's two lost ones from 32 and 34. And then there's one from 41. And then there was a sequel in 51, The Son of Dr. Jekyll. Hmm. And there's probably got to be a ton more just like that were so like low budget or lost or like underseen. Yeah. I mean, and then there, when you get into like the ones that are like Dr. Jekyll with a twist, like, you know, what's the Dr. Black and whatever. The Dr. Jekyll and Mrs. Hyde or whatever. There's <laughs> that one. And then there's um, Dr. The, Black and Mr. Hyde. Yeah. The, the black exploitation one is funny. Yeah, that sounds ridiculous. <laughs> the uh, honestly, man, the Doctor Jekyll and Mrs. Hyde is actually pretty decent. It's funny. Yeah, what it's, was that one? There was one in like uh, the '90s or something. Um, two, uh, it was like a or 2000. I think it, uh, uh, one of the Baldwin's was in it. I remember seeing that. Oh Jesus! Oh man, <laughs> I, I don't know. I had probably seen it though. <laughs> I have no idea. Jesus, yeah. But what did you rate that, Tyler? Uh, I'm still on the six point five train. Okay. And Moods, what did you give uh your number four? Uh my number four was seven. And your number three was oh, um, wait, we didn't get the threes yet. No. Okay. All right. Uh just making sure. All right. Uh my number four is actually I think the same as Moods' is number four, the face behind the mask. Yep. 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 Um I really, really like this movie. Uh I thought Peter Laurie was great. Uh something about his voice just makes it all the more you know, sad. Um, and then I, I think that the, you know, the story, sure, we've seen it since with like, you know, this, this tragic, hideous, hideously scarred person. And, mm-hmm. you know, basically the, the, he had all the hope in the world and the world just turned on him because of something out of his control. And I just think that that's, you know, heartbreaking. So when the world turns on you, he turns on the world and he becomes a fucking gangster, bro. <laughs> uh, he is, you know, literally like a mob boss essentially. And it's just funny because he's all like tiny and like, like his voice and stuff. You just don't expect it out of him. But um, I think the biggest downfall with this film is that it's too short. I think yeah. there was more, more, opportunity to flesh out the story a little bit more i think that's what you guys were saying with the love interest stuff it feels like a such a speed bump in the film and then he immediately we go from him meeting this dude into being the leader of this gang in literally a a scene you know what i mean Mm -hmm. a fade to black or whatever um but yeah it's uh i think it's a great movie though and I, i think that the acting's fantastic and um i just thought that it was really really good with the creepy mask and stuff like that and i don't know i just i i i think that this one had a lot going on in terms of like like you mentioned the um like the immigrant um subtext and then like the whole you know what you have inside you is what should matter and so i thought there was a lot going on that we weren't getting with other films in at this time yeah so it's a little uh, bit heavier like you know yeah on the, yeah, on the yeah, commentary yeah. and stuff for sure yeah it's a little it's just a lot deeper there really isn't a lot of films i don't think there's any other films from this year that have as much deep content 
content than than this one has to be honest yeah so i give that one a seven out of ten right cool uh you know i picked up the blu-ray for the, the i think it was Vivision vision released that one or um yeah uh their imprint label oh from, from australia yeah I saw that they released it, and I was like, "Oh shit!" They have a fucking release for that. I was like, oh, "Yeah," because cool. the the version I watched looked like ass. Oh, this is beautiful. The Blu-ray is beautiful. Yeah, that it's, was it's that, that, That's one that I would pick up for sure. Yeah, yeah, cool. All right, so coming in number three is uh, "Man-Made Monster," um, also directed by George Wagner, um, starring Lon Wagner's Chini definitely Chini. the star of the year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <for laughs> the sure. director of the year. <laughs> <laughs> three films was it three yeah three films yeah um yeah so mad main monster like we've talked about before is an obvious frankenstein ripoff um starring lon cheney jr uh and it's just it's the same it, you know it's the same tragic story as um but it's done a little bit differently because in frankenstein like he's created but you know it, it becomes it's it there's not there's a different intent here there's a different intent. This is more of like a mad doctor where this guy's just kind of pure fucking evil. He's just kind of the doctor's a piece of shit. And actually, the, the dude that plays them, like Lionel Apple, like he's fucking he is he's perfect in the role. He just looks like a piece of shit evil doctor, man. Yeah, he like, does. He really does, man. They cast him perfect in this, but he's just so relentless, man. It's like, ah, but he's gonna go away. So I'm gonna fucking do some mean ass, mean spirited experiments on this dude, you know, <laughs> and shit. Uh, we already talked about why he's uh why he is the way he is but you know just the way long cheney plays the character is you can just see the tragedy in his eyes there's something about him man maybe it's because it seems like all the roles that long cheney was doing in these times especially in another film too it just you know where it's ending up and it just you feel like it's just the it's you feel for his character right from the start, man. There's something about it. He's just he's very likable. He's very likable. He's very tragic looking, and of course within the narrative too. But, um, but uh, you know, it's fun. I I always laugh when I watch this movie because I'd rewatch this. I think last year, year before, or something like that. And it's just so funny. I can imagine being on the set and filming this. You know, okay, you're like Lon. All right, so this scene right here, you're going to be all you know electrified and stuff. And don't worry about we'll we'll do the effects after the fact, obviously, right? So we just need you to walk around like Frankenstein. <laughs> just, walk, just walk around like Frankenstein and then we'll, we'll make you look like a different character after it just was making me laugh while I was thinking about this because I, I mean really they had to put the effects in after it's not like that was an effect that they were doing obviously it's 1941 um, but it just made me laugh right uh, it's it's you know it's fun it's fun it's really quick dude it doesn't even run an hour it's like 59 minutes long it's ridiculous it's like watching a TV episode so but Mad Made Monster, it's definitely very, very likable. Um, one I've always enjoyed. Um, I've seen it. I've seen it before. Universal came came out with it too. I think I used to have this on a pack. Or, it was out before. I don't know. But yeah, Mad Made Monster, seven out of ten. It's good stuff. All right, um, Tyler. All right, I got a curveball for you guys for number three. Okay. So I'm actually gonna put in. Albert Hitchcock's suspicion at number three. Now, this really? definitely is, really so. This definitely isn't a straight horror movie, like not by any stretch. Mm. Uh, but there are some, there are some horror elements in it. Uh, and this was kind of going back to what I was saying earlier, where I feel like the genres were still like defined and they hadn't really been mixing stuff yet, and mm. no one had really tried stuff and. This kind of really shows characteristics of the like an early film of like living with someone like you thought you knew or like 
uh, finding out someone's like not who they say they are, like something you maybe like saw on something like the stepfather or orphan, just to name a few off the top of my head. It's that kind of concept. Uh, and basically what it is, is uh, there's this guy, uh, there's this uh, very wealthy, well, wealthy heir, a young lady, and she's being pursued by someone who's a known fortune hunter and her father's telling her like, don't do it. All that stuff, but uh, classic fashion, she falls for it anyway, and he starts talking about all these business things, you learn more about this guy, that this guy's like got no money, and he really and he really appears to be a fortune hunter, but it never really like gives you confirmation of it. It's all kind of told secondhand. Uh, but then things start like uh, it, then things start really like turning up, and she starts getting like these business, these shady business deals involved with, um, with her money basically being tied up and like all the, with, with other people that she knows. And it kind of culminates in this, in this thing where he goes to sign a deal in another country and one, and her bit in the business part partner ends up dead. And she's in this position where she's digging deeper and deeper and finding these more like terrifying things about her. And it kind of just takes you in the classic Hitchbox spot where it's it's not really horror, but it's like intense. It's it's a thriller, and it's the kind of thing that I think mo- that most horror fans would agree it is more is more of a genre trope that was explored more in horror throughout uh, throughout the years. And it's definitely still something that you would enjoy as a horror fan. And it's really foundational to the genre. And I think this is a pretty good film. It's definitely not one of his best. I put it like in the middle, but I think it's pretty good. And I'd rather like spotlight a film like this that does have some educational watch and some horror foundation to it than like try to just add another movie like that. I thought was okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, this one for me was like I didn't think it was horror at all. Like I haven't I, I haven't seen Suspicion in so long. I actually don't even remember. I didn't I didn't watch it for this. Um, I have seen it before, but man. It, it's, it's drawing a huge blank for me like yeah. i didn't even think it was thriller really you know what i mean so this one i didn't include and i did think it was like pretty decent but it was infuriating to watch like i was so mad at the lead female because uh, she's just stupid oh my god like the dude is such a tool bag <laughs> like it just drove me nuts i was like bro i was like this guy just like Bro, he just sold your your family heirloom of these chairs that your dad gifted you for the wedding. Like, bro, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And um, I think that because of the if it because of the way the ending went, Tyler, that's where I it moved out of thriller adjacent horror stuff for me into non uh, because of the ending. It kind of was presented a little upbeat, but I think the ending is a little bit more arbitrary. And I still like, I almost just like think that's just another like red herring. Really? You think? Yeah. Yeah. I think like, um, he's like, okay, that, the then that yeah. maybe could change some things because yeah, I don't, I took it. it yeah. It could be, it could go either way. I think it's open to interpretation because like you figure if he's in this hole, he's not just going to quit now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying, but I the, it was it was a good movie. It's just like I never met like a more fucking asshole in my life. <laughs> <laughs> the dude was just yeah. sucked, man. He's just a <laughs> shitty husband, bro. It's, he just spends all their money the on the fucking racetrack. 
This is Cary Grant, by the way, a frequent Hitchcock collaborator. And yeah. so add some star power to it. And in a year where there's more attractive options, like I definitely wouldn't include it. But in this year, I felt like oh, it would yeah. it would be yeah. fine to like include like a movie I thought was pretty good than a movie that like is making the list because there has to be a number 10. Right. I got you. All right. What did you rate that? Uh, this is going to be also a 6.5. Yeah, I was at like a 7 out of 10 on that one. So had I included it, it would have made my list, um, but I did not. All right, uh, my number three is a film that Tyler had mentioned, and that is Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Um, I think this is the only version, uh, the classic version of Jekyll and Hyde that I've seen. So I've never seen the 31 version or the... Yeah, oh, it's so superior to this, man. I, I'm serious. It's so much better than this movie. I, I don't know. I, was, I, I mean, I, this was a first time watch for me, and I was just appalled at this. Like, I was like, it, it's yeah, a good. Dude. I'm like, the production, everything about the movie is great, but I was like, this story is just killing me right now. I loved it. Yeah, maybe yeah, that's why I, we have a little I, bit I think different it, perspective. I, I, yeah, I think it is because maybe. I'm I'm used to the th- like I I that was I think the very first version of Jekyll and Hyde that I ever saw that I can think of. A lot of like these cult ones as I saw later on, but I think the 31, I want to say, yeah, man, it, dude, it's so much better than this one. This one just and seems like this one seems like fluff compared to the 31 one. I, uh, I'll have to check that one out because <laughs> I didn't think this. I thought this one actually was more darker than some of the fi- most of the films we got this year. Yeah, that's kind of how I scaled it. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, there's a rape in this movie, mm-hmm. which is. But I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, is it horror? Is it exploitation? Yeah, I don't well, know. It's implied. Well, I, think but... the, I, I like the, the, even just the set, like this one actually didn't fit. Like I didn't feel the runtime on this one like you guys did. Like um, I, maybe it helped that this was the second film that I watched. So I didn't watch a bunch of 60 minute movies in mm-hmm. a row. So it, I wasn't, ex- you know, I wasn't used to that fact that there's yeah. all these short movies you know so maybe that factored in mm-hmm. uh because it you know but um i like the opening conversations about you know it is does every man have like evil and is it sort of um you know i forget the exact conversations but that whole aspect of that i thought was really interesting and then um whenever we actually uh so we follow the the lead and when he saves that girl from the mugging and then i just thought it was very different to see this girl sort of throwing herself at him it just didn't feel of the time you know what i mean uh and i i felt like it was a little taboo for for the time because you don't really get a lot of like sexual actual sexual references and and situations in any of these films you know what I mean? This was an actual like sexual situation. So I thought that was interesting. Um, Which is then, funny because like in the 31, like she's because in this film, she's what a bar she works in the bar. Yeah. yeah. She's a, she's a bartender, but she's yeah, bar- also like very sort of like party girl in know? the, yeah. in, in the 31, like she, that character is a fucking prostitute, <laughs> straight up prostitute, man. Well, yeah. And that's 10 years earlier. That's what I'm saying. Well, I mean, I, I I would need to see that version. <laughs> That's what I, I mean. Really like, like I, I this this is the only adaption I've seen, so I can definitely see like thinking. Like I've seen it, Edge of Sanity and like other modern yeah, versions, yeah, yeah, but I've yeah. never seen any of the. Yeah, I just yeah. remember. Um, but either way, 
so so uh i will see that i will check that version out though um but i think that um you know when he turns to mr hyde he's he's very like maniacal and he's just getting a kick out of like rune and like creating that big bar fight and stuff like that really reminded me of claude rains and invisible man which i absolutely love that film as well yeah uh it's my favorite universal monster film um so i i really dug this i i I pretty much enjoyed it front to back and it really worked for me. And if the 31 version is even better then that's pretty interesting to me because I thought this one was one of the best films of the year. Obviously it's my, my number three, but it's also the first film where I'm going above a seven and a half and I'm giving this one an eight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Crazy. Um, okay. So, my number two is uh, The Devil Commands with um, Boris Karloff, which we have mentioned before. Um, yeah, we already talked about the 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 plot. of it. It's a mad scientist movie, essentially. Um, it's not meant to be mean-spirited. It kind of ends up being... It kind of goes very disastrous for him, which ends up being kind of a tragic story in itself because he's trying to do good. He's trying to further science, and he's trying to... He's trying to answer the questions. Can we communicate with the dead after and stuff? And, you know, I mean, Karloff really does steal a show. He's so damn good. I think people forget like how good of an actor he is because a lot of people associate Karloff with, with Frankenstein, of course, as how many lines and stuff, but, but man, he's really good in his non monster roles and stuff. Such a good screen presence, but man, he, the thing about Karloff that is really cool. Did you guys watch the, the documentary? I think that came out was it last year. You know what? I never Karloff? did get to that documentary. Well, man, uh, I, I I knew a lot about Karloff, but man, I, I learned some interesting things about Karloff, man, like about his involvement in, you know, like the the unions for, you know, actors. He was the the start of that, the reason why actors ended up getting paid the way they were because of Karloff and shit. And, you know, he's got a huge, he's not just, you know, historically known for, for you know, being all these monster movies and in the horror genre and stuff, but he's so much more than that. But there's actually a point in his career where he ended up in Kamloops, which is like just a couple hours away from where I live and went to, went to school there and stuff like that. And I was like, this is fucking insane to me. I had no idea. Like, this is just blowing my fucking mind. Like I'm there all the time. And I'm like, this is crazy. But yeah, anyways, Karloff completely steals the show in this one. Um, I love the angle of defrauding the the medium in this man. It's like one of my favorite elements to the film because it just it reminds yeah. me of that bullshit back in the day with like Miss fucking Cleo and shit. And like they were doing this in the 40s. They were debunking. Tom and now. Yeah, these yeah. stupid fucking mediums. I love that shit. And then I love the fact that like she he she becomes like the main test subject and shit. But one yeah. thing about this movie that kills me, man, is like, you know, as 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 it progresses, like it just it looks so comical with all these people, like in these almost like these pod things and stuff. It's like it's just getting worse and worse. And you can't, there's no going back in this, you know, in this in these experiments and stuff like that, right? He's got like what, like eight people now that are all in these pods and shit. It's just crazy to me, man. It's it's pretty diabolic at times, but again, it's not meant to be diabolic. It just ends up being on uh you know to other people very diabolic and stuff but Karloff mm -hmm. is awesome it's 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 an interesting story you know i mean i guess for the times in 41 and stuff we've seen a million movies like this but yeah, yeah. it's uh it's decent um it's just it goes down in flames man it really does <laughs> so uh the devil commands uh seven out of ten Karloff, godly i, re I really want to see that movie targets that he's in in the late yeah. 60s never, targets? I, 
I never saw yeah. it for 68. I couldn't uh, find a copy. Made my uh, top 10 of 68. Uh, that movie great. sounds so good. I want to see that movie so bad. So I actually yeah, had Targets was supposed to be getting re re uh, released by or released or whatever by I think it was Second Spin or someone announced the a nice Blu-ray version of it, but then it got canceled. So I'd actually pre-ordered that and I got canceled. So that shit was supposed to, I think it was supposed to come out this past summer, but it never did. So I don't know when we're going to see another version of that. Cause I know the DVDs out and I really want to fucking see it. Yeah. I really, you can rent it on Amazon, but like, I'm just, I don't know. I, yeah. I just, I'm usually really patient for stuff, but this movie has been like so high. And my watch was for like years. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. All right. Tyler, number two. What did you rate that moods? Uh, I gave that also a seven out of 10. All right. All right. So my number two is a film that's been talked before, and it's actually Abbott and Costello's Hold That Ghost. Wow. Yeah, nice. <laughs> I thought this was pretty funny. And like one thing that really like separates uh, Costello, I think, from like a lot of the people from the air, because it's like comedy from this era is so hit and miss with me sometimes. And mm. I kind of avoided these guys so long because I thought they were going to be so over the top goofy. But like, Costello has a way of like being really goofy, but not being like so over the top. He's just so quick with it. And mm-hmm. he just rattles it off, like you guys were saying. And I think that really benefits this movie because it doesn't evolve into just being like the stupid like slapstick a thon. It ends up still just being like a good movie with comedy. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, there's nothing really to add that we haven't already talked about. But yeah, I thought the comedy translated really well for this. Uh, some of the jokes like really worked for me. Like a lot of the like the end of the line, just end of the line quips he had were my favorites. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was surprisingly too, this was like a pretty well made movie. I didn't, I didn't think it was going to be as well made as. Like it was. I said, I love the changing room bit. You yeah, know, that was so probably my favorite one. It's just so funny that he keeps going back and forth. He's like, no, seriously, yeah. it, was like, it was, it was a casino. <laughs> <laughs> like, what do you like when he when the other dude when Abbott like puts the coat on it and then walks away and, oh my god I lost it. I know they do that so many times it's like it's so f- easy to figure out and that's the joke right that's the joke and I love that man it's it just, just keeps going on yeah simple comedy where you're going just check the coat rack <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no it's good yeah but uh yeah that, that's my number two uh, i definitely enjoyed it I definitely watched again i would definitely uh try some other avenue castell and that was actually my exposure to him hmm. uh, yeah uh, the monster all the monster ones are fun yeah, yeah the universal ones are they're, they're really good like, yeah i'm definitely good. i'm definitely way more interested to catch those now like whenever i see them pop up on streaming or something but yeah. uh i'm gonna come on with a seven out of ten for hold that ghost all right interesting so uh I guess I have a curveball myself because I don't imagine this film is anybody's number one. Um, and that is the title of it goes by a few titles. Um it, on letterbox that's all that money can buy. Um, oh. but it also goes under the title um The Devil and Daniel Webster, which did either of you guys watch this? No, uh, no, I didn't. I didn't think it was going to be hard at all. So I was like, "Fuck it, whatever." So what? Um, what, what is the title that you're using? Damn, oh, I would have watched this. Uh, this the de- um, probably the Devil and Daniel Webster seems to be the title that most it mostly goes by. Um, but yeah, I'm surprised because this is a Criterion title. Yeah, um, it's on. It's on the collection too. Like I could have just watched it. I have that. Yeah. 
um knowing you're a big uh criterion fan but i think it was dvd release i don't think it. Ever yeah it was just released yeah. on dvd yeah. yeah yeah it's it's just streaming on the on yeah the, i just yeah, thought it was like a straight up like yeah i just didn't think it had any kind of elements like i couldn't find anything on it that was horrelated this so, is yeah. actually a title that i think should have been in the horror set i mean it's not as horror as something like you know um man-made monster but it's it's definitely should i i really think it should have been at least as like one of this you know uh how they have like all the on imdb how they have like four different things like horror should be in there somewhere um but it, it basically follows uh it's set in um 1840 and it follows a a poor farmer who's like very kind-hearted and his his him he lives with his mom and his wife and they're completely like down on their luck they're got to sell their like animals and stuff like that they just don't have any money like they're they're literally just about to be poor as shit and he goes into a barn and he's like i'd sell my soul to the devil for two cents at this point and then literally a devil appears uh named by mr his name is mr scratch in the movie and this guy's awesome who plays the devil and he offers yeah he offers him seven years of good fortune and luck and prosperity in exchange for his soul um so he basically um you know makes a deal with the devil and then uh i i would say that's where the horror aspect comes in uh, and then we have the rest of the film where he is super successful. Everybody loves him in town. Um, he ends up having a son and it goes through the seven years, you know what I mean? And uh, eventually it's time to pay that debt. Um, and then we have some like ghosts and stuff in there towards the end, um, which I think also make it go into the horror territory. Um, but it's, it's, you know, more horror in the sense of like a dark twilight zone episode but I think that out of all the films that are here, I I mean, it's more scary than, um, you know, spooks run wild. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. Uh, it, I think that it would probably definitely fit in the, it definitely is way more horror than suspicion uh, that Tyler had. But uh, I think it's even more horror than some of the titles that we've had, the more comedic ones. Uh, but it is hmm. more drama than, than anything, but the, the a deal with the devil is still kind of scary. And like I said, there's actually ghosts in the movie that are the, the, at the end of the film. Um, but I, I think that it, you know, it's, it's a classic tale of selling your soul to the devil and how that all, um, you know, usually ends up. And uh, I think that the, the guy who plays the devil is pretty awesome as well. Um, but he even like brings in this like maid who, he, you know, it's sort of hinted <clears throat> at that he might be having a love affair with and stuff like that and <laughs> all this stuff. But it, I think it's a really good movie. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, and I gave that one an eight out of 10. Yeah. yeah. It's, dub- it's dubbed as a uh, drama fantasy romance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which there's barely much romance in it. So, yeah. so I mean, <laughs> drama fantasy. I mean, I, I guess in a sense that probably, the way you described yeah. it makes sense i guess but yeah I'll yeah like if it would have just had the um just the deal with the devil at the beginning and nothing else i would say that maybe maybe not fitting in the territory but because there's 
um it gets like really supernatural at the end and it's actually kind of a little bit scary when you find when he realizes that he's about to die and he has until midnight to figure shit out and stuff like that mm-hmm. i think that's where it sort of um gets more into the i think that's where it sort of crosses that threshold would you rate it uh i gave it an eight out of ten eight out of ten all right cool yeah yeah, um, just before we move on from this, I, the, what I wanted to kind of like interject earlier was um, the guy you're talking about that plays the devil, that's Walter Houston, who's John Houston's father. Um, that's the guy that made like the mm. Maltese Falcon, Treasure yeah, yeah. Andre, a hugely influential director. And he was actually the first person to win an Oscar being directed by their son in 1948. Or Treasure uh, the Seer, wow. movie, which is cool. actually, I love that movie. That's my favorite Humphrey Bogart movie. Hmm. Interesting. Um, okay, so number one, and I think we probably have a mutual agreement on this one. Do we just want to yeah. announce what our number yeah. one is all around? So it's pretty obvious what everyone's number one is here. The monster and the girl. Yeah, monster and the girl. Yeah, which <laughs> never showed up on anyone's list. Um, of no. course, the the uh, third time George Wagner appears here, and uh, the Wolfman. Um, I think we're all in agreement. That's everyone's number one, unless someone's Absolutely. throwing some crazy, I mean, some it's... crazy curveball where someone didn't even have it in their top ten. Oh, that would have been <laughs> fucking bizarre. Um, yeah. So the Wolfman um, is the film that I'm pretty sure everyone has fucking seen. You know, we got Claude yeah. Rains in this one. We got Lon Chaney Jr. Uh, we got a very, very heavily miscasted Belagosi in this film. And I, I've always said that. I've always said I have no fucking idea what Universal was thinking. Maybe it was maybe it was contract part of his contract or something. I have no idea. But don't you think that they just like said they were on some like straight fuck you Belagosi shit at this time? Why would they cast him as the gypsy in this? He's in the movie for like all of three and a half minutes. He gets fucking totally killed off in like the first five minutes of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never understood why why you would cast such a big name like Belagosi in such a shitty role. That could have been anybody at this moment. Like, <laughs> yes, he's literally the werewolf that bites Lon Chaney that turns him and stuff. But like, he has a couple lines as a gypsy. He gets his ass beat up, die, and he's done. I, I just don't understand why Belagosi was ever cast in this movie. It makes no sense to me. You know, it's cool to see Bella, but he looks super goofy. It's just, it, it's almost comedic. It's almost, there's almost so much comedy elements to the way he looks in this with that stupid hair and that big dangly earring and stupid stick on mustache. <laughs> it just looks so dumb, but I don't know. I've always questioned why Bella Gosi was cast in this film in that role. It makes no sense to me. I mean, probably for billing. Yeah, man. I, I, I guess billing, you know, so you could put him on the poster, I guess. Well, the funny thing, if if you look at the poster, besides the huge ass Lon Chaney's Wolfman head, where it says the Wolfman, if you look at the credits, Claude Rains is top build. And then it says like Warren William, Ralph Bellamy, you know, you got Patrick Knowles. And then Bella Gosi actually sticks out the most. If you look directly at the credits and he's right at the bottom and then it says with Lon Chaney as the Wolfman. Yeah. So... They're clearly trying to bank on Belagosi's name, but just not give him enough of a role even to pay him more shit. 
you know, he was getting fucked around. I think, man, there's more to the story here. It just makes no sense why Bella goes. Yeah. Do you guys, do you guys agree with that? Like, or yeah, I think, it was oh, yeah. I think it was definitely just a budget pumper. Just it's stupid. Like, I, I, I felt sorry for him though. Like, Bella goes, he was a big, you know, starring. He's a lead actor. Like, he could, he, he sold movies. He was very notable. And it just, I don't know. It just didn't make sense where you can go from Invisible Ghost and, and to the, like, a very small third dairy fucking character in the wolfman i don't know it's weird it's weird to me but what are you yeah, guys I, thoughts on the wolfman overall as a movie oh dude i i love the wolfman it, it, it's um I, I mean when you talk about universal monsters the the dude i actually love a lot of those movies but the wolfman is definitely up there i'd probably say invisible man's my number one and then this and frankenstein are like right there yeah. neck and neck for me so so I I've, I don't know if I've ever really talked about this too much on the show. I mean, this isn't trying to me, this isn't trying or me trying to be like you know Mister Hot Take or nothing. I've just always been like this. I've been a huge Universal fan my entire life. I've talked about probably that. Like I've seen a million movies a million times. You know, out of all the original Universal monster films, like the first ones, like The Wolfman and Frankenstein and Dracula, Invisible Man, you know, um, fucking uh, creature, creature um and uh, the phantom of the opera and stuff so out of all out of, out of all the movies like or the mummy um this is probably oh, my mummy. second least favorite movie really yeah and really? like the creature being my favorite um then i go Shit, into I frankenstein would have been no it's creature than frankenstein uh i you know and personally i love the original mummy movie the sequels are all the same movie but i really like the original mummy movie a lot because i love the aesthetic of it it just captures that aztec thing very well uh, the visible man, the vis um, Egyptian, yeah. Um, the visible man is, is fantastic. Uh, I like the like the American Dracula. I'm really not really a big fan of the Spanish, but I seem to like all these. The only movie I don't really care for that much is Fan of the Opera. I've never been a fan of the Opera fan, mm -hmm. you know, even from like you know, Lon Chaney, like the silent film and stuff. Like, I respect those movies but i've never really been overly a huge fan of the narrative like the story of i actually opera. think i like the robert england one like the best dude and i'm not even joking <laughs> Which is funny i'm not That's joking been sitting on my show for years i <laughs> actually like it better too and i know it's such a weird thing to <laughs> but i like those kind of like later interpretations of the story and like it's weird but like i've never really big fan of the you know the fan of the opera movies but yeah this yeah. one comes above that like i am and i really like the wolfman i've just always had a little bit of issues with it i just feel like it's it's a little bit slow for the taking like it takes about a half an hour to really get kind of going and then you know it, it you know but the thing about the wolfman that's really cool is the set atmosphere the, dude the this atmosphere. one has the, the the best i think this might have the best atmosphere of the universal monster yeah films. dude it really does it's it's you know again it's the super tragic story but like and lon cheney is cast perfectly in this he plays you know the character really really well and um but it's the filming man it's how they capture the atmosphere and you know the the whole the horror elements to this film are so good it's really really well shot it's well acted um and uh, it's just it's really short it's 70 minutes and like i said it's a little bit slower um and then uh you know it, it kind of picks up and stuff but it's yeah the pacing's not overly the greatest in this i feel like rewatching this film you know the first 30 minutes it takes a little bit to get going and stuff and i always thought the <laughs> okay this is one thing about the Wolfman I've always thought that was kind of corny a little bit is the fact that like, you know, Lon Chaney, um, who plays uh, Talbot, who has this like walking stick made out of silver that actually is like a wolf. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's just, a lot of 
they talk a lot about fucking werewolves before any werewolf shit happens yeah, yeah. Like, everybody <laughs> in this area knows about fucking werewolves but it's just it's just the simple fact that like you know the way they do the narrative it's so it's so i don't know like it's just not coincident what, what's the word um i'm looking for um destiny no i mean the fact that like this girl's being attacked and like he goes over and kills what he thinks is a is a wolf but with his silver fucking you know handled um contrived yeah like uh dude i'm having brain farts right now like a motherfucker man um you know the what's the word i'm looking for when it's just like so obvious um contrived uh uh not coincidental um dude i i'm I'm just i'm just having complete brain farts um, right now I know. I feel like I know what word you're looking. Yeah, for. you know what word I'm looking for, man. Like it, it's another word for like obvious in the film. Um, anyways, it, it'll no, it'll come. It'll come to me, man. I'm just. I'm literally. I have like the worst headache right now, so I'm having like brain farts. I don't Dude, know. Dude, I've had a headache all day, bro. Yeah, What's all morning, all morning. I know. That's why I've been having such brain farts, man. I don't convenient, know, convenient. That's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> Jesus, I'm just having. I'm having a hard time with words right now. Like, okay, so, we act like we haven't done 238 episodes yeah man convenient is the word i'm looking for so just the convenience of talbot walking around with this 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 cane that actually happens to be made out of, of uh silver and you know use as a weapon to kill and then that's pretty much what they, they even talk about in the film too like you know you can be killed by a silver bullet or a silver handled fucking walking stick <laughs> just, that's very convenient silver thing yeah so it's silver so um but yeah, like I said, though, it's it's a great movie. It captures the horror elements probably better than any film the whole year. But, uh, it, you know, all in all, it's a good film. I mean, of the times, the effects were probably pretty cool. It's just, you know, it's just time lapsing. It's just a time lapsing thing. Yeah, I love uh, it. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, one mean, thing I'm sad about is that we never really got a true Wolfman sequel. Like all this, all the other films with Wolfman in it also have the other monsters like Frankenstein and shit. Mm-hmm. So it kind of, it's kind of unfortunate because I would have actually liked to see a true, just like Wolfman uh, follow up, like we got with like Frankenstein and Dracula and Creature and Invisible Man. <laughs> so how would you, how would you do a, a direct sequel to the Wolfman? Well, I don't know if it would follow directly, but yeah. just another Wolfman story. Yeah, you could make something up that doesn't. I mean, you couldn't that. really do a direct follow up to this. I mean, I guess you could in a sense, but son of Wolfman. Yeah, that's things like the obvious way they go. Like, I gotta <laughs> find out what happened to my father. Yeah, right. right. Yeah, um, but yeah, I, I, no, I think that the Wolfman is is. I saw it in the theater. Seeing it on the big screen was one of the coolest things. Uh, it's just a beautiful film. It really mm-hmm. is. Yeah, like it when you really compare, good. especially when you compare it to the stuff that came out this year, I mean, it's just so much better looking. Yeah, yeah. You know, like it's just crazy to me. Like this is the fourth film that Bella Gosi was in this year. Even on my list, I'm, I'm, he might have been in more. I'm not sure. <laughs> but like one of those movies, he has a starring role, and it's fucking Bella Gosi. Yeah. Like this one is just, it still blows my mind that he was in there, but it makes sense from a building perspective, but it is very convenient writing. But uh, I I just think that the story of the Wolfman could be a little bit better, to be honest. Like, I mean, I know none of the narratives in these movies are like that complex and stuff, but it is very convenient. There's that word, but yeah, I'm kind of with you. 
it's still re- it, it's really good. It's good for a watch. Like it's visually amazing. Haters. It's aesthetically awesome. Like it, it really does. Like I was blown away watching it. I couldn't believe how good the Blu-ray looked, man. I, was, I got I, the damn 4K, bro. Yeah, oh, I watched really? it on 4K. Oh man, yeah. I'm also crazy because like I know a lot of people always say, "Oh, black and white films don't look good." In, on Blu-ray. I I'm think like, I like them a lot on 4K. I think huh? they're they're not as like impressive, but the, the blacks look really good and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. But man, I tell you, like that the fog in this, like the smoke, it looks so good. It's really, mm. really good, really clear. Really good stuff, if we so. ever did the universal monsters like i know we did some universal titles but if we ever did the universal monsters you think it would be best to just do them in order they came out instead of like doing like all the wolfmans because how would you do wolfman is it like part of the frankenstein franchise you know what i mean mm-hmm. i think like, just the order yeah better. i think you do like volumes like volume one would be like dracula yeah. fucking spanish dracula and something else or some shit yeah. yeah i mean we could i mean we could put the shows i mean you could do the franchises i mean there's what it's just hard because it. like where do you put yeah some, like, like a, some a couple of, those, of crossovers like House of frankenstein is that a dracula film or yeah i know there there's like three or four kind of total crossover films right yeah, yeah. so i almost um, feel like it's cooler to just hear it in like and like um chronological order yeah chronological order yeah i think it probably would be fun to do it that way yeah so i'm pretty sure like actually i'm gonna go check this out right now hold on i've actually reviewed all those films before okay here we go so so this is the thought i just wanted to clarify or not clarify but just uh sure it was kind of factual but i remember reading back in the day that um i think they even talk about maybe maybe it's not in the documentary i don't know how Boris Karloff was actually supposed to get the lead in this film. Um, Interesting. Yeah. But it, then it ended up going to Lon Chaney. And I also know that Bella Gosi was, it even says in here too, was actively campaigning for the lead role in this film too. I think it was actually against Karloff because I think they might have been kind of feuding at the time because there was like, mm. they did all those films and they started like kind of feuding because they started battling over lead roles and shit. So Bella Gosi was going out of his way when he, when I think that he heard that Karloff was going to get the leading role. So he started campaigning literally and then ended up getting this <laughs> i think that was maybe pissed off universal that he was campaigning for the lead role on that maybe that's why i ended up in that small supporting role and they kill him off in the first five minutes honestly i just think he's the weakest actor out of all of them like, but he's that's why i would put him in the smaller role well it's, yeah. the thing that the I thing that really that. the thing that actually hindered lugosi's career i think is because he had such a heavy accent it was hard to throw him in these yeah. roles and be believable as an American actor kind of thing, right? He was, yeah, and you're right. He definitely was the weakest of the actors. And Karloff was so fucking strong, though. Yeah, like Karloff, I think, is much better than Lugosi. But um, I, I also love Lon Chaney Jr., Claude Rains. Like, I, I think they're all bad. Be- I think I like them all more than Bay Lugosi. But yeah, I, that's not saying I don't like Bay Lugosi. Yeah, well, the thing is, Lugosi is just he's got a screen presence. But yeah, it's like a full-on lead. But like the, even these small roles, like come on, man, like that's he, he's a little bit more than that. But honestly, like if I was doing Wolfman, I wouldn't have given the lead to Lugosi in that one either because he's supposed to be like an American yeah. actor. It I don't think sense. he has the right look. No, I think it made sense to have Lon Chaney because he has that kind of. It's funny too because Lon Chaney Jr. is a big dude, and but he looks so damn likable and lovable and it's like perfect yeah. he's like perfect yeah. he's perfectly cast yeah. in these tragic roles because he looks like a tragedy like he just looks so innocent right so Karloff is a little bit more rugged looking yeah. and you know kind of makes sense too but uh but he Karloff is a super strong actor though who took his fucking craft dead serious oh like, yeah Karloff is dead serious like he, like he was always just you know working on his acting and stuff is crazy but uh, yeah yeah 
I re- Lon, Lon Chaney really impressed me in both the movies he was in this year. I thought mm-hmm. he was like really made both of those movies and like played his character really well. Um, one thing I observed about this script that I think really sets it ahead of all the movies around it too was this is I feel like the only movie that really uses horror as like a vehicle instead of de- a destination. And like what I mean by that is like the movie's not really so much about this like scary or terrible conclusion at the end. It's more about like Lon Chaney's like journey and trying to understand what's happening to him when he's like going to the psychic, he's like freaking out. Like, yeah, there's the investigation, like closing out. I was like, Whoa, we found you where this, where this guy was murdered yesterday. It's like, it's more of like this, like the metamorphosis. And then like that scene where he's like looking at his legs and, and they're changing and he's all hairy. It's, it's like the horror more comes from that than it does like this is what happens. Yeah, it's like a mm-hmm. character study of someone that's trying to deal with the with the you know, it's just he's dealing with what he knows the outcome is gonna be. Right? It's a it's yeah. a Shakespearean tragic story. Like so he's trying to deal with it and like like he knows what he is and shit like that. Like there's those scenes where he's like, Oh, you know, like I think he was bitten by a wolf. Oh, really? Blah blah blah. You know, like, you know, it's it's so hard, but like you know deep down that he he has to be eliminated for this to stop yeah. right so it's yeah. this, it's a shakespearean tragedy and he's just trying to deal with the outcome because like it's like somebody like if you know you're gonna die you just kind of deal with it in your own way right kind of thing right it's like probably having like terminal cancer it's like well shit, man I'm do this and that and stuff right, right. it's kind of like the same thing like he knows for this to stop because there's no cure he has yeah. to be eliminated. So it, it's, you know, it, it's, a, it's a sad story, but it's, it's really a character study of someone trying to understand their, their destiny is death um, very, very soon. So. Yeah. yeah. The ending is like, like you said too, it's very tragic. It's not like it's somewhat scary, but it's like somber and like almost like eerie and like sad. I really like that. That was a good way to leave it. And poetic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very poetic. <clears throat> so. Yep. The same the same thing that made him a hero was the same thing that ended him too. You know, yeah. kind of things so. though. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Uh the Wolfman. So so JB, you have it like read it that you know as one of your favorite universal. What about you, Tyler? Where does it go? Um, I mean, I think it's pretty good. Um, I actually like it more than Dracula. That's that's kind of might be a hot take, but my my yeah, top. No, I, I like it way more. Dracula is like my least favorite. A, a lot of people that's do. A lot of people Dracula. Yeah, yeah Dracula is kind of a little bit lower for me, also, as I like probably the Invisible Man and Creature and and uh, Frankenstein and in the Mummy probably more all more than that one. So yeah, it's yeah. one of the bottom ones for me. Um, Invisible Man and Frankenstein are definitely my top two. I could probably like give you a different answer every day, but mm-hmm. I kind of like what's in the movie. I think Frankenstein's the better, more like lasting movie, and it's like way more daring than like mm-hmm. any of the other ones. But the comedy in um, Invisible Man just translates so well, mm-hmm. like even now. It, like, yeah, the <laughs> the Frankenstein like friend like all the movies like the sequels and shit, man. That that's a really solid franchise. There's a lot of really good sequels. Oh yeah, I like yeah. I like the Frankenstein sequels a lot. Yeah, yeah it's definitely probably the most solid thing. Like, I mean, the problem is with the Mummy franchise is that like they just kept remaking the first movie, but not as good. You know, I I actually don't really care for the, the Mummy films. I like I love the first one. I love the first movie, but then you don't really have to watch the other like three or whatever. It's like. Pfft. 
it's okay it's like yeah mummy's my least favorite universal monster uh i just love mummies in general like they don't make a lot of mummy movies like they did the universal ones they did the the hammer mummy movies and stuff but if you look at like the grand scheme of things within in the horror realm of films like there isn't a ton of mummy movies out there that's why i just picked up that aztec mummy collection because i was like there just isn't enough mummy movies even if they suck i still want to see them it's such it's like an underutilized obvious thing it's so strange it feels it feels like those are like really hard to do well Mm -hmm. actually i do like the brendan fraser ones i haven't seen those <laughs> i saw the I first do. one and it, i hated it but I never like, dude, rewatch it now you might enjoy it bro they're yeah. actually fun the thing about like mummies is like when you're doing something like a like a transformation character like frankenstein is like you can you can make it more about that character you can sympathize with that character and just like build a narrative around it like it's kind of hard to do that with a mummy Mm-hmm. It's very hard to like develop. It's almost like they're like almost always just like a threat, as in like opposed yeah. to like a sympathetic character. You'd have to make it around like somebody like discovering the mummy, and it just it's kind of hard to just put a mummy somewhere in the first place, too. Yeah, and, and the funny thing about the mummy, like a mummy character too, is like it's probably one of the cheaper effects to do on somebody. Just wrap them in toilet paper, like yeah. <laughs> fucking simple. <laughs> like, come on, man, go get yourself some three ply, and then you know you got yourself a mummy good so what do you guys rate the uh the wolfman oh it's it's actually my go um i have it as uh eight out of ten tyler i was gonna come in at seven and a half but i think this movie stands out enough like clearly from its contemporaries i'm gonna come up to an eight jp um yeah for me uh i think that it's pretty damn awesome um, right. I'm definitely higher than you guys. I give it a nine. I already had it written down for you. <laughs> nine. Yeah. Nine. Yeah. I knew exactly. Well, so that is, um, so that is actually the highest it's, you know, this is a weird year, man, because like, so I came in the lowest, um, to start and the lowest to, fi- well, I guess me and Tyler had eights, but yeah, like my films range between a five and an eight. Yeah. Crazy. So I, I think I had the most, five. I think I had the most high films. I had a nine, uh, two eights and three sevens, three sevens. So how does this work? I had two unique films on mine. I had spooks run wild and king of the zombies. No, Tyler Jeez. had king of the zombies. Oh, yeah, king of the zombies. oh yeah, totally. Right. So I just had spooks run wild was, so we all had one. I had suspicion and I had, um, the smiling ghost those were the two oddities i had oh yeah yeah you did have a smiling ghost so you had two jp had one yeah the devil and daniel webster yeah Yeah. and then i just had one with spooks run wild yeah yep so that's all the unique films to that so yeah it's pretty much where i expected to what we had how many three peats though wolfman face behind the mask devil commands hold that ghost devil commands man-made black, monster black, black cat. cat black cat fight face behind the mask did you have invisible ghosts tyler no that was my 11. so we had six six i guess i think it was six, six. repeats yeah. i think so hmm. it's actually less than i thought i literally thought we were gonna have eight or nine three beats <laughs> yeah interesting yeah. Wow, wow i wish so i would have seen the the movie you saw that movie seems great i'm gonna watch that. i think i'm gonna watch that anyway 
All the money can buy, aka the devil and Daniel Webster. Yeah, that seems something really up my alley. Yeah, I feel actually great that I had a film that neither of you guys saw so yeah. high because it makes me feel like oh, I, I knew about it too. I was actually looking into it. And I was like, I couldn't find one thing even related to horror. Like I even was... read a couple like just kind of brief reviews. I was just looking for anything. No one even mentioned anything about it. I was like, oh, okay. What was um, your guys? I actually seen movie? it on one list of of top horror movies of the. 40s. Well, that's where I found it too. I saw it on a list too, and I was like, "What the fuck is the devil?" And I think it was the different. It was the money, all the money. It was titled different, I think. Yeah. And I was like, "What the fuck is this?" And then I looked into it, and I was like, "No." I'm like, "That's ridiculous." <laughs> there was there was actually another one that I watched that um I didn't think was horror, but the poster looks damn horror, and that's called Swamp Water. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. Um, I, it was actually not a bad movie, but <laughs> hmm. um, and then there was one that I didn't get to that I wanted to check out that I also seen on a horror list, and it's called Among the Living. Did anybody see that? No. Uh no. So uh, it says a mentally unstable man who is kept in isolation for years escapes and causes trouble for his identical twin brother. Sounded like it could be. You know, yeah. Yeah, I might have given that a chance if it was just openly available to me. I watched the movie um, I Wake Up Screaming. That, that was, was actually on my list, and then I saw you gave it like a one, and I was like, was, glad I didn't was, watch that. It was <laughs> god-awful. It was my se- second <laughs> second worst movie I saw. So I, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was terrible. Uh, what was your guys' lowest-rated movie? Um, Actually, not that low. I think it was The Monster and the Girl at a five. Um, I had a. I don't know. Actually, I think me. Uh, the Ghost Train. That was my lowest too. I actually skipped that one when I Ghost saw you. Was so bad. Oh my <laughs> god, dude! Arthur Ashkey is the most annoying person I've yeah. ever seen in a film in my Jesus. life. This movie is so basic. It's just basically a bunch of people that are holed up at this train station, and there's this legend of this ghost train and stuff. But like, he's just he's overacting they're singing and dancing he's just oh comedic. He, he's the lead but he's this comedic and he's so goofy through the whole thing and you're just like shut the fuck up buddy it's <laughs> so agitating to watch because yeah. it's not funny and it's like comedy yeah. before anything else and then and then the ending was like the best thing about it it's probably only why i gave i think i gave it a four out of ten so i was like whatever but like man it's it was terrible i don't know how anybody yeah. could find that arshasky guy funny man Oh my god! Yeah, nothing happens in this movie, so it's just like not good. It's boring, <laughs> and like on top of that, like any time this guy speaks, it's just worse. When yeah, he dude. started singing, oh the, my fucking god, dude! It was the worst songs in the world too. The best scenes in the film are the scenes without him. There's a little yeah. bit of a period where he kind of disappears, and you're like, okay, this isn't too bad. And so yeah, you <laughs> give it a one and a half. <laughs> like, yeah, it's fucking awful. I gave it a two star. Oh man, it was. Oh, I, I, I my two word review was te- tedious, Tommy. Oh my god, it was uh, man. Um, I think he plays Tommy. All right, so do you guys want to do, figure out what the next one is? Yeah, let's spin the wheel. So, um, all right, th- for the listeners, this is not the next top ten we're doing. This is just the next one that will be eligible to be put in the randomizer because, as you guys know, we take uh, our regular retro years, which is um, the seven sixty nine to like two thousand twelve. And uh, we do a random year, basically. We we did adjust the rules going forward, which we'll explain on the 80 show. Um, but we also throw one really old year in there as well 
basically 1967 all the way down to 1930. Um, and the next, so it took years to get 41. <laughs> so we'll see um, if that happens. And I actually have a better chance of getting picked because of the fact that we're not, we're not putting as many years in going forward. Um, and obviously as you do them, it gets less, but anyway, I'll stop talking now and hit the button. Um, anybody hoping for any particular era? 55. 50s would be the, well, actually, no, I, 60s. Okay. Well, 60s would be better. I just know 55 has two bangers on it. I, I do love the 50s, man. I'm a big fan of the sci-fi horror stuff, though. So. Yeah. Actually, I mean, it has three. There's three really good movies that you could call a horror movie in 55. It's actually, not- the funny thing is the 50s, as you go on, get like, insane like I, I think i looked at like 58 and there was like 70 some horror films yeah yeah no there's a lot in the late 50s man that atomic age stuff is like there's a lot of them okay so uh hitting the randomizer now um so what and, years do we have all in this anyways um so we have uh 30 through through 40 and then 42 30. through yeah to, 67 through, yeah okay yep um all right hitting randomize and we got 1936 Oof. so a 30s 1930 second right. was 64 and third was 48 two we got um it's about the same it looks like we'll have about this maybe the same amount of horror films to watch the invisible ray uh dracula's daughter um the walking dead the Devil Doll, The Invisible Ray, Revolt of the Zombies, The Demon Barber of Fleet Street, which I think is like Ooh. a Sweeney Todd one. Yeah, yeah, it is. The Man Who Lived Again, The Cobweb Hotel, and then are these films even films? The uh, fact because like you got to be careful and let this one's twelve minutes, so that's yeah. There's lots short. of fucking. So um, it might be tough to get ten out of this one. This we could actually do this next week. <laughs> <laughs> but um okay so we at least have one two three four five six seven i think we have seven all right let me expand it by genre yeah because you want might... sticks out to me yeah uh, well, i can't seem to get this to come up on indb it's fucking weird there's another one too or search like, properly for me for the movie i didn't watch like there's another Fritz Lang movie, which is like probably kind of looks like noir, like kidnapper situation. There's a Bela Ghosty one too called Shadow of Chinatown, which is a, uh, I guess a sci-fi. Let's sci-fi. I, I, it will that not movie, yeah. Look at the, look at the runtime on it. What is it? It's 281 minutes. What the hell? Yep. A- absolutely not. <laughs> No, no, no. That's a different. There's two Shadow of Shadow. Oh, there's two of them. Okay. I, I'm back off of horror. I'm just looking at it. Like, there's one that's 71 minutes, which is uh, um, feature. Ver- this is the feature. The first one you're talking about is the serial. This is the feature version. Okay. Let me check. Let me switch it to thriller. Yeah, I cannot get my thing to search properly. You will not search. <laughs> I cannot get 1936 to come up. It keeps coming up with top 50 oh, movies. Oh, no. It's the fucking weirdest thing ever. What is going on? <laughs> it's so weird it will not search let's check sci-fi movies 
um a face in the fall i mean there's an there's enough to do a top 10 probably about the uh, same oh uh, here we go dracula's daughter oh yeah, yeah i see you devil shadow shadow of time shadow of the invisible ray which we just reviewed <laughs> on the show already devil monster what did we review the invisible ray oh yeah we did revolt of <laughs> zombies the man who lived again shadow what the fuck is this shadow China. there's one called ghost patrol that's a sci-fi western Whoa. I'm calling. I'm calling omit on 36. Let's do it. Let's get 1956. <laughs> oh lord. Oh my dude. There's not even ten movies. Maybe there. Yeah. Is. No. There's there's ten. Yeah. You could, it's probably about the same. Honestly, like yeah, the I, I think look a little better. Yeah, uh, I, th- I think you're looking at about um about seven, sixteen, seventeen watches. Yeah. I mean, they all look pretty short again, unless two, you want to be brave and watch three, one of the long four, things. Five, I've actually seen six, two seven. of these before. I haven't seen any. I don't know, man. These are all <laughs> short. 12, 8, 84. What the fuck is this? Are you on IMDb or Letterboxd? Yeah, I'm, I'm on, on Letterboxd. I'm on IMDb. All right. Letterboxd well, is a little. I know, but Letterboxd is, they got a lot of wrong years. Yeah, but not for these early early movies. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. The macabre trunk. Hmm. Um. Yeah, we at least have we at least have oh, ten, and then there's a couple other ones too. Yeah. Yeah, there's 23 listed on IMDb, and most of these are they're shorts. Sure. Well, that one's not a Hellavision documentary. Nope. That's a short. That's a short. That's yeah. I'm looking at like one two oh my god three four six seven eight nine ten eleven 12, maybe 13 that are listed on here that are not shorts or documentaries or something documentary that's crazy i don't know i mean it's probably not going to come up for quite a while i've only seen dracula's daughter the devil doll I've never seen the original Demon Barber, uh, Invisible Ray, Revolt of the Zombies. So I've seen four. Yeah, I think I've only ever seen four of these movies. Shit. Well, I can tell you one thing. There's not a clear cut number one. <laughs> um, Is the man who lived again on there? <laughs> yeah, it's on there. I saw that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's even on this one. Yeah. And isn't Karloff in that one? Yeah. Yeah, he is in that one. Yeah. Yeah. I don't yeah, think I've seen um, it though. Yeah, no, there's there's not a clear cut number one. So So this movie, Shadow of a Chinatown, actually has Belagosi in it, and it's two hundred and eighty one. No, no, minutes. no. We talked there's about a, that already. Yeah, there's, there's two one. versions of that film. That it's a serial, so it was like the things that would play in the theaters and like be like continuing, like they'd make a new one and it was like one big long story, but there's a feature length ver- a feature film version that's 71 minutes. Oh, okay. <clears throat> wow. <laughs> you sound disappointed. <laughs> it's just, there's like barely, it just seems like there's not that many movies. There's not. Use. It's the d- d- dude. This is actually more than some years though. Like you know what I mean? I was just like for argument's sake, looking at some of the other things like the mid fifties and dude, there's movies that have like four four movies. Yeah, I know yeah. nineteen fifty. Like that would have been brutal. Like we would have had to. Oh, just I wouldn't even put in nineteen fifty because 
let's face it it's not worth it one film well i mean that's where you start to venture out and find other shit yeah or you just re-roll <laughs> i mean i'm assuming some of these movies are probably like look at 1958 uh, uh 66 horror films oh mm-hmm. there you go yeah see 59 for uh 57 yeah, they, they definitely ramped up in the mid, after the mid fifties. But um, all right, so nineteen thirty six, it is uh, shitting me too hard. Yeah, no, this is, like a, it's got a lot of driving type movies. Yeah, this is definitely going to be a. This is going to be a quicker. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> all right, I'm, I mean, at least I have. I actually own a few of these. And it looks like some of these are on YouTube, so it shouldn't be too bad. All right. No. I mean, a lot of these older ones are all public domain, so. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, shit, man. More Belagosi, more Boris Karloff. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah. We basically what? Uh, one, two, three, four, five years before what we just did. Yep. Yeah. So at least but, the yeah, that, be guess- short. What the hell am I, I? I don't even know if I'm going to be able to make a thumbnail for this one like I normally do. <laughs> There's like six posters. <laughs> um, I guess that's it. We done? Yeah, man. That's uh, that's going to conclude the nineteen uh, top 10 in 1941 show. Um, yeah. Tyler, thanks for coming back for um, a Redux as a guest. You might have to do 36 with us because I don't know if we're going to convince anybody else to do them. (laughs) I was going to say, I'm here for the punishment. You need to do a punishment episode like this. I got you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Um, 30. Man, I was really hoping for the fifties, man, or the sixties. Fuck. Well, the faster we do this one, the faster we get another chance. True. True. And like, yeah, there's not that many watches, so we'll see. All right. Okay, well, that is going to conclude episode 238. Uh, we'll be back next week with episode 239, which is the Joyride trilogy. There's a total flip-flop. <laughs> 1941 to the fucking Joyride trilogy. So that'll be fun to do. Yeah, I'm excited. I've never seen the sequels. I think uh, I think Dave's going to be back for that show next week. At least I think he is. Yep. And then, uh, yeah, we'll go from there. All right, we're out of here. Check you guys later. Deuces. Five minutes later.
You've got to wash your ass.